Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Often being a Nicolas Cage fan can be a lonely road. You may be listening to this podcast right now thinking, you know what? I'm the only one in my friend group who is a Nicolas Cage fan. You may think, my friends mock me. People mock me for being the only Nicolas Cage fan in my town. Fortunately for me, I was surrounded by over 100 Nicolas Cage fans on the 25th of September at the wonderful Prince Charles Cinema to experience, oh oh boy, and did I experience their all-night Nicolas Cage marathon, which consisted of The Rock, Con Air, Face Off, a mystery film, which turned out to be Drive Angry and Mandy. In what I can only describe as a mind-bending, soul kind of changing 12 hours of Nick Cage mania. Uh, That night, I had all the intentions to interview people in between the breaks in the films. That didn't happen because it's... I really underestimated like how it would feel to partake that experience and kind of overshot I had all, all the intentions in the world I went in with the best of intentions and it just didn't happen however I have managed to rope in three people who were there that night who are Graham Jones of the podcast nobody asked for Daryl Edge of the Cage Rage podcast and Ian Harry's also of the podcast nobody asked for to talk about their experience, how they prepped for the night, what they were kind of expecting of the night, how they found it, how they fared, and how they survived 12 hours of Nicolas Cage. So without further ado, I guess there's only one thing to do, and that's to get raging with Cage. So the first survivor of the Prince Charles 
Nicholas Cage all night marathon to join me is Graham Jones from the podcast Nobody Arsehole. How are you, Graham? I'm good. I've just about recovered from Sunday, I think. So, yeah. So, how, um, well, before we get into how it was for you, because I'm, I'm not sure if you can hear or listeners can hear, like, my voice is, I don't know, I don't know if it's sexier or if, or if it's just like gravel and two ton of cigarettes but I've, i feel like shit <laughs> it's like that episode the episode of friends where where phoebe has the the really bad cold that she thinks it makes her sound sexier to sing yeah. so afterwards you might be trying to like lick tissues just to kind of get your podcast voice back that sex sex sexy petros that, that that may be the case yeah if people i don't know if people oh i really like the that, like barry white period you had of like a a, a fortnight can you bring that back <laughs> Yeah, and because I've recorded some episodes out of sync as well, it's all of a sudden going to be like, "Oh, it's sexy!" Oh, he's back to his, he's back to his old voice. He's sexy again. So, um, but yeah, um, tell me about the podcast nobody asked for. What is it about? What do you, what, what made you guys do it? Uh, podcast nobody asked for is um, kind of I say exactly what it says in the tin. I suppose it's not. We we went into lockdown. Um, it, well, so. Uh, as of recording, it's a year old tomorrow. Amazing. Um, so we've we've got our birthday episode tomorrow coming out. Um, so we've been doing it a year. It is essentially, the idea was we have, Ian and I have ridiculous conversations about films all the time <laughs> um, in the hypothetical. So, you know, um, one of our most recent ones, well, what a few we've had is like, if you wanted to recast um, a movie with the Muppets, what would be... What movie would you choose, for Amazing. example? Um, so just all of these ridiculous hypothetical top three lists. I come with three movies, three ideas. Ian comes with three movies and three ideas. Talk through them, have a bit of an argument about who had the best ideas, and we give a top three at the end. Um, the idea was the kind of conversation we'd have in a pub, kind of podcast we'd listen to. Let's record it. Let's see if anyone listens. And uh, weirdly, a few people have. So it's been good fun. Amazing. So um, as a question, I always ask people when they uh, come on this podcast, and it almost feels redundant to ask you, seeing as you're at an all-night Nicolas Cage marathon, but are you a Nick Cage fan? I, I am. I've definitely been more indoctrinated recently since doing the podcast. Ian, who, when you speak to him, you'll find out he is, I mean, he's probably at a similar level to, to you and Daryl. <laughs> um, I'd always, like, I'd always known of Nick Cage. I'd watched, a, like, a lot of films, like the, the classic ones, I think that everyone's kind of seen, like your Con Airs, your yeah. Face Offs, um, growing up. And then... It was probably about six months ago. Um, Ian picked adaptation um, for one of his choices. And I hadn't seen it at the time of recording, but I said, look, I'm going to go away. This sounds awesome. I'm going to go watch it. Because it, I think it was um, best movies that are about absolutely nothing. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> um, and um, I was completely blown away. And then in the same week, I watched Vampire's Kiss. Wow! And yeah, <laughs> there's there's no that 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 is either end of the cage spectrum, and I love both of them equally. Um, so yeah, ever since then, I'm 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 all in on cage. So, I, I don't think I've shared this on the podcast. I don't know why, uh, but like I recently had a run in with the writer of Vampire's Kiss um, because uh, <laughs> I tried to reach out to interview him. 
And right. He it's kind of nice of him to his research. He emailed me back and said, "Oh, I've actually listened back to your episode on it. Like, and you guys weren't very." like favorable <laughs> towards the film and i was like i kind of like fired back saying hey man that was four years ago when i started the podcast i was very like it's cool to do you know I mean it's cool to hate stuff it's cool to be a, a big old meanie and i was like yeah i've genuinely warmed to that film as i've got older and kind of watched it loads of times and see it in a different light and stuff like that and it's it, ne- it yeah he never got back to me and it's kind of like that thing like <laughs> Oh man, it's it's really taught me a lesson of being nice to people on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had an old boss once who um, slated Comic Sans on Twitter and got in an argument with the guy who invented Comic Sans. Oh. One of the best one of the best internet beefs I've ever seen. The, the, that yeah, I always see that thing with Comic Sans as well when people like dole out that fact and people love to do it as well. When it's like, uh, actually, Comic Sans is a font that's really easy for people with like learning difficulties and like adhd to to read so you yeah. slating that font makes you like a bigger and it's like jesus <laughs> christ <laughs> um, just just didn't like your font guys yeah yeah exactly too, <laughs> too cartoonish for me um so what would have been the exact first nick cage film you would have seen is there a kind of one that stands out to you i can tell you exactly where it was i i must have been I reckon 11 years old. Um, I remember managing to convince my nan <laughs> to rent me um, from the library, not even from a, a, a video shop at the time, from the library, a combination of American Psycho and Conair. Wow. Uh, on VHS. <laughs> what, what a double bill. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. American Psycho absolutely scarred me. Um, would make Conair. a perfect double bill with Vampire's Kiss as well. This is a drum I've been beating. A hundred percent. Because Nick Nick Cage played Patrick Bateman before Patrick Bateman Yeah, he, cra- he crawled for Patrick Bateman <laughs> to walk, right? A hundred percent. So yeah, that scarred me for life. And then I remember, so like, I definitely watch Conair through a different lens now. Like, the, you know, the scene stepping off the bus is objectively hilarious. Yes. Um, as a kid, Conair was like the coolest fucking thing I ever saw. I'm of the belief that it is a comedy because, like, you look at the people it's got in it, like people who are synonymous. Like, do you know what I mean, it's got it's got Dave Chappelle in it. It's like, and, yeah. and, and, and I, I like to think it's a comedy as well because, like, Nicolas Cage can't be doing that accent seriously. <laughs> it's he's, yeah, he's it's surely um, got to be doing it for laughs, right? You'd like to think so. But then again, who knows with Nicolas Cage? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> um, amazing. And do you have a favourite Nick Cage film as well? Yeah, it's it's Vampire's Kiss. Hands down is Vampire's Kiss. Really? It changed my, li- it changed my life watching that film. <laughs> is, is that, did you guys discuss it on the podcast at all? Can people like dive into you really delving into that film or...? Yeah, so we have we have our normal episodes, which are the top three things, and we also do this League of Good Bad Movies thing because we love a good bad movie. Yep. Uh, so every month we put two up each. Listeners vote on which one we should watch. Um, one month we did do Vampire's Kiss, which is when I watched it for the first time. So you can hear my 
unfiltered reactions to my first viewing of Vampire's Kiss. Uh, if you if you find that episode, perfect. I'll send. I'll be sure to send people that way specifically in the show notes for this episode. Um, so let's talk about yeah the experience of going yep. to the Prince Charles All Nighter. Um, was this your first All Nighter? Second. What? So. A couple of years ago, um, I did the classic horror um, all-nighter at the Prince Charles, um, which off the top of my head was Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, Suspiria, Rosemary's Baby, and something else that I'm forgetting. But it was <laughs> it was a great night. Uh, so how did, like, what, like, what were your, what was your prep? For this one like did you kind of like hold on to the mistakes you had made from the first one perhaps and like this is how i'm gonna play it like what 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 were your kind of like game plan going in were you like i'm gonna fall asleep at some point i'm gonna pick a film i'm gonna fall asleep through or were you like i'm gonna power through the whole night so it, the plan was to power through i definitely had through the first three films there were like micro naps yeah. like i didn't miss big parts but there were my but i've seen those three films multiple multiple times mm-hmm. so it was okay um i one thing i learned from the first time was uh don't make yourself too comfortable so i'd i'd gone with a, an ex-girlfriend to the um the horror one and she'd like bought like a fleece quilt thing <laughs> and i mean I thought you meant don't make yourself too comfortable and you took an ex-girlfriend. Like, do you know what I mean? like oh, this is going to make me feel really uncomfortable, so I'm going to stay awake. So, yeah. I'm going to bring, gonna bring uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm divorced, so I could have brought my ex-wife if I really wanted to be uncomfortable. That's, that's, the, that's the plan for the next one, right? If you really want to stay awake, you just got to bring an ex. Like, just, just, just invite a, a harem of ex-girlfriends and ex-wives. It's like, you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll stay awake anyone that's wronged you bring them along exactly so, so you, so you won't be sleeping i'm not sure if you'll be watching the film you'll kind of be like looking over your shoulder all the time but at least it'll at least it'll be an exciting experience yeah so um but yeah she because i know like on the website they're like oh you know you can bring you know wear comfortable clothes bring yourself a blanket all that kind of stuff if you want to stay up and watch all of them don't do any of that um and you also have to tread the alcohol line very carefully. I don't know about you, but if I have like two beers, I'm going to sleep. So it's either a decent amount of beers and I'll be all right, or it's basically none. So I, I kind of made that mistake. Well, no, I didn't make that mistake. I, 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 I drank quite a bit just because <laughs> I like, because it was like, my first like time out of the house as it were do you know what i mean in a long time yeah like, yeah kind of like it's going to the big city baby like do you know I, mean? <laughs> I did the same mis- i say that i did the same mistake with fright uh fright fest like last month and it was like i just kind of i'm i'm, I'm in london i'm at an, an event like yeah. let's go to the pub and then like yeah watch prisoners of the Ghostland. i was like People ask my opinions afterwards. I was like, I think I'm going to need to watch it again. From what I've heard, that's basically, even if you haven't been on a big session, you're going to probably need to watch it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah. um, So what were your kind of provisions that you brought with you for the night? Were you, what were your snacks? What what were you, what were you drinking? So 
we went um did a little tesco trip beforehand um it was mostly sugar and then um sugar but in drink form yep uh that was that was kind of kind of all of it i bought some like weird little bagel bite things and the the prince charles website was like you know what's really good take eat some fruit so i was like all right fine i'll buy some fruit uh didn't eat the fruit because <laughs> because there were there was squishy uh squishy skittles and um and god knows how much chocolate to have instead um but yeah got through those got through about three energy drinks um and a bottle of sprite um i felt it the next i think i felt like the sugar hangover probably more than like the sleep deprivation so i said this with like as me as me and like uh daryl edge kind of like trundled our way back to victoria station afterwards i said i just felt dirty like i, I fe- uh, yeah i felt like i'd like like not just like physically but like morally dirty I fe- like <laughs> i felt like i'd just like i don't know left an orgy or kind of like like mandy will do that to you (laughs) oh yeah or or kind of had a night had a night on substances and just kind of like that like yeah like i I think the feeling i got before like watching mandy when it's like the sun was cut like already up i was like this is the feeling of calling a drug dealer at like that time of the morning going you still you still delivering like, like that that is how like, I've, I've i've done that i'm happy to say i've done that and then like i had that same feeling and it's it's weird it's weird that films can do that to you yeah and i mean if any film's going to do that to you it's mad it's mad yeah yeah of, of, of course so um let's kind of talk about like the films that were showing and kind of what we yeah what was well what was your what was your expectations of the mystery film of the night so I, um, because everything was in chronic, like I, there were, I had my wish list, right? And obviously Vampire's Kiss was up there. Um, but because everything was in chronological order that they were showing it in, I'd kind of assumed, okay, we had like, I think it was about a 20 year gap to be fair, but in the film is going to be in this 20 year gap. Um, and I'd say Ian had gone with, I think, gone in 60 seconds and that twigged in me. I did say, I wonder if it'll be Drive Angry, um, which obviously it, it was, was yeah. um, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but um, there, yeah, it was. That was one. I was, I was really hoping it was going to be Willy's Wonderland because I've not seen that yet, and it looks fantastic. <laughs> um, and it would have made the it, night considerably shorter as well because it's like eighty-seven minutes long or something like that. Oh, is it? Yeah, that that was the other thing. Like. The, the first three they're deceptively long movies yeah like i think all of them clock in over two hours yeah yeah i, th- I think the rock is like a good two two hours 25 at least Do you know what i mean like it's a good it's a yeah it's, it's a, a slog, slog isn't it yeah, yeah but it's, it's a fun <laughs> slog like but do you know I mean it's, it's like a fun a- slog oh it's great i mean if 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 for nothing more than the rocket man line <laughs> um I'm, I'm gonna stay awake for that the, the, um, the, the thing is with the whole like drive angry thing and I, I was kind of going through because I know that the Prince Charles had left out a hint saying like it's a film we had never shown before and then like yeah I think my in my heart of hearts I was like a film I just wanted it to be and it's not even a film that I particularly like but it's 
uh, Deadfall. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that film. I haven't, no. So it has probably one of the most off-kilter Nick Cage performances ever. Like, if you've ever watched the Nicolas Cage loses his shit, like, compilation yeah. video, it's the film that brought us him saying, I fucking yeah! And just, like, <laughs> it's just kind of like, he's just this absolute maniac called Eddie King, who's obviously just this, like, coke adult mess who's just like just always like i think just has these great lines like it and i imagine in that atmosphere like it would have been amazing like if he said like viva la fucking france the place <laughs> the, the roof would have fucking like would have would have been taken off of the prince charles yeah and actually like the the sad i don't know if it was because of drive angry itself but like i definitely noticed during drive angry the crowd kind of started to thin out a bit. Drive angry for me. I was like, when that got announced, I was like, I'm going to catch some Z's. Like, and that's <laughs> no slight to the Prince Charles. Like, I, 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 I love them, but like, I was, I was, I was almost like by that point, because I think obviously I didn't know I had a cold coming beforehand. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is, I, I felt a bit ropey, but I didn't know why. So I was like, I think I'm going to just, try and have a nap here yeah um the other one that i was i was half hoping and i haven't seen the whole thing but um is jujitsu um so uh, ian i'm sure we'll talk about this when you speak to him but he's um he's in between houses at the moment he's bought a house there's they're waiting for it to come through he's staying at mine um and um he was watching jujitsu the other day and I walked into the living room and it was on and he just rewound it by about 30 seconds. Like you need to watch this. I had bear in mind. I don't know anything <laughs> else about the movie. Just saw this bit. And there's Nicholas cage is fighting this guy and he starts talking about how he's old and he, how he needs to find like ways to be calm. And then he talks about how he folds hats out of yeah. newspaper and then he proceeds <laughs> to put the hat, out of newspaper on his head and then continue fighting. And it's one of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah. The, 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 the thing is that film, like Nicolas Cage, like brings that film up at least a, a star or two, just like, Oh, without doubt. And, and it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a waste considering like the amount of like martial arts talent and kind of action movie talent they have in that film. And it's, oh, it must have been a lovely holiday to Cyprus. That's all I can say on jiu-jitsu, really, that I haven't <laughs> said already. Um, so, what, yeah, what were, your, what were your highlights of the night? What were the films that kind of, like, or kind of, were there moments in films, like crowd reactions that really stood out to you? Or, yeah, what were So, the- yeah, I think actually through the first three, like, I've, as I say, I've seen them all multiple times. Um I've never watched A I've never watched them on the big screen and mm-hmm. B I've never watched them with a crowd of people who obviously appreciate Nicolas Cage. Yeah. So that level of like cheering and laughter and all that kind of stuff it was it it did elevate them. It's kind of like I don't know if you've ever gone and what if you've ever watched The Room at the Prince Charles. No. But like- that is that is an experience. Like that's not just watching the film that's an experience yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's kind of what i liken it to because everyone's just so into it and like you get those reactions and you know you know if, if you were if i don't know if they did a 20th anniversary screening of one of these films or 30th or whatever it is going to be soon at like a view or something you're not going to get that reaction right yeah, exactly I mean, but 
it was it was it just elevated it for those three so i think that was that was massive i really enjoyed that um and then it was my first time watching mandy so <laughs> <laughs> so mandy at 7am after no sleep for a good 24 hours is was a trip and a half <laughs> And the thing is that the the first like forty five minutes of that film almost like goad you into like at that, especially at that time of the morning, it's like it's goading yeah. you into falling asleep because it's it's all hazy, oh. and dreamlike, yeah. and quite slow. And obviously, I think people have this expectation of Mandy to be some kind of like balls to the wall ninety minute like action revenge movie, like gory yeah. as fuck and it's not it's a bit more contemplative yeah and it was just and you're right like the way it's filmed as well you do i mean i i was saying ian said the same thing like we were sat there and there's um by this time in the morning there's some like really dim lights on the side of mm-hmm. the walls at the prince charles and as you're looking forward you see these lights in the periphery and it i was convinced on multiple occasions during mandy that there was like people standing at the sides of the rows just like i don't know if they're waiting to get in or whatever and you keep turning around like genuinely like i i don't know i don't know if i was hallucinating maybe but um it definitely felt like it what was your what was your what was your first impression of mandy and what i i love the fact that that was your first time watching it (laughs) i love it i mean it was um I'd, I'd gone into it as well, knowing very little about it, other than it was I'd, I'd seen pictures of like like the classic like Nicolas Cage at the in the car at the end, yeah. like obviously, and because you could not buy the like two thousand dollar mask of it now as well, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I didn't know what to expect, and then we got um, I mean, we got like a a conch shell that summoned um a gimp biker who had like what could only be described as like tools strapped to his head yeah I, kind of how i saw it I, I i love that one of those actors who plays like the uh the black skulls has on his imdb just the name fuck a pig like that, <laughs> like that imagine that on your resume oh what, what, what did you do in 2018 I played a guy called Fuck Pig. I really, really, really got into the role. Yeah, uh, really identified with it. Um, yeah, it's but it's just it's one of those. And again, maybe it's because of when I watched it and where I watched it. But it felt, and it sounds really wanky to say it, but it felt like more of an experience than a movie. Yeah, um, no, 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 I, I, I get that. I've like. I've watched it now like four times and like I do feel like it is the type of I'm like it almost like works in that setting of kind of like because at 7 a.m in the morning you have no other like excuse but to just let let the film almost wash over you as much as you can and I think that is the best way to experience it is that thing of like leave kind of expectations to one side and just kind of like let the let experience the film as opposed to i don't know trying to like pick it apart or anything and you can like i don't know you can put yourself into it do you know what i mean like it's the thing of like yeah i i, I what once i realized that the film is about 
grief and loss. I just yeah. looked at it as like, oh, I've had some like significant like breakups in my life and just looked at it through that prism. And then I was like, oh, this is, f- this is actually a real sad fucking like, do you know what I mean? Like heartbreaking film. Oh yeah. It, it's, it is, it is extremely, um, I mean, yeah, it's, weirdly you could double bill it with pig right like in terms of the stuff that it deals with um but i think that the one thing that was was so surreal about it and again probably heightened by when i watched it was the um it's just that color palette like Mm -hmm. it is it it it's quite disorientating similar to like in the color out of space when it kind of gets towards that towards the end of that movie um obviously less llamas but um <laughs> but yeah it was it was a hell of a hell of a way to experience it there's like i found myself watching that film there's a moment when um andrea riseborough and linus roach's faces are like melding between each other and like i genuinely just like it's like i could feel my brain oozing out of my ears <laughs> at that point because i was just like, <laughs> like i've seen this on the small screen like like yeah, like three times before or whatever. And then like watching it on the picture, I was just like, I just don't know what is going on. Like, I just kind of like, I, like I, throughout that film, I was like clutching my chest. I was just like, and I, I still felt surprised by it as well. Cause like, I don't know, like, I guess the disorientation of being up for so long, I was like, oh, this scene's coming next. And it's like, I'd forgotten a scene. I was like, <gasps> like, Jimmy. and then like, yeah, yeah. And and watching like and what I found interesting was that is the like I don't know if it's like the kind of the crowd had thinned out and people had kind of waned a bit, but like it 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 had kind of lost all like crowd participation by that point, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think because even in Drive Angry, you have bits of it because it's so like over the top and ridiculous. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, but I don't think you can like. I don't know that you could have crowd participate like Mandy, like you say, when you take it as the film that it actually is, yeah. you don't, you know, there's, there's no like, you know, it, it's not, you, you couldn't say like Connor's an action film, but actually it's probably a comedy. Mandy isn't Ma- Mandy is Mandy. It's not like, it's not Nicolas Cage be- leaning into like being Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I think it's that thing that the there's that one scene that can get clipped out and kind of shown around as like a part of this like doesn't Nick Cage always freak out in movies that scene in the bathroom in the bathroom yeah yeah but then in context of that film that makes 100% sense because it's like if you had just experienced what he had experienced like of course you're going to react like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, if anything, that's underreacting yeah. to seeing the love of your life burnt alive. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think absolutely. Um, I, I don't know that I'd go and, um, you know, smell to battle axe. Um, but it, maybe if I had access to it, I would. But um, but yeah, like that scene in the bathroom, like, of course you have a freak out. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, uh, I'm, still, I'm still trying to get over the fact that that was your... Your f- I I, I kind of <laughs> want to ask you if it was Ian's. I don't think it is, but I, I'll wait. To, I'll, wait, I'll wait to speak to him before before yeah. finding that out. Oh, that's that's beautiful. What a what a kind of what a what a way to see that film. I kind of I'm kind of jealous. 
<laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm glad I did it. It was, as I say, it was definitely an experience. Um, but as, as we start to wrap this up, was there any like, um, I don't know, were there any, were there any grievances with it? Not, 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 not the cinema itself. Were there, were there any like patrons that did you nothing? Were there people who? I don't know. Might who took, who could you be talking about? Took crowd participation too far. <laughs> um, there, it, to be fair, in my immediate vicinity, everyone was um, was very well behaved, um, even to the point that. And I, I, the one thing that annoys me in cinemas more than people talking is um, people getting their phones out uh-huh. because they're invariably really, really bright, and your eye just goes directly there. Um, so none of that. What I did here, I think they were very close to where you and Daryl were sat. Was that woman? <laughs> yeah, me, I'm sure. I'm sure Daryl will be next up on the podcast, and you will be able to probably hear. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure how long that that, that segment is going to go because I'm sure Daryl has a lot to say about that specific woman. Yeah, it was just. I I think we were probably far enough away that it wasn't as annoying. But I I I heard a lot of like her saying stuff and her being shushed by people throughout <laughs> the movie. When you say people, yeah, a lot of it was me. Like, <laughs> I, I think it's because it's like four o'clock and like three o'clock in the morning. I'm just like, Shh, there is, there is, there, there is crowd participation. And then there is just incessant questions about things that the film will explain. Like, it's like, I think I should, yeah. Uh, do you know what? I that is my biggest bugbear of any whenever I'm watching a film with someone and someone asks me what's going on or what what, what who is he? What's that? I'm like, I have seen as much of this as you have. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, Let's see what yeah. plays out. <laughs> that is the yeah, if it's like you're the first time watching it with someone. Like, yeah. It's, oh. I didn't direct this, I didn't write it. Yes. Let's see what happens. <laughs> So, or, or, or if you're in the third act and someone goes so who's he then and it's like well yeah. this is lost like <laughs> what is the point like there's no point anymore like you should no. have walked out at this point um so- uh, yeah absolutely but yeah no other than that it was it was all pretty well managed um i i can't say enough good things about the prince Charles cinema I- we mentioned them on the regular on the podcast it's one of my favorite places in in the world i think but definitely my favorite place to watch a movie yeah i i love it and i'm always honored in a way that i'm kind of like the the podcast is somewhat linked to those guys because of being on the kind of same um podcast network as the prince Charles yeah. cinema podcast I, I i i i often pitch myself to think like oh yeah i'm like kind of like I've gotten in there. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just yeah, need, yeah. I just need to make the podcast bigger before I could do like a a caged in presents uh, screening there, and that, that will kind of be like a, a a bucket list item ticked off for sure. Um, so- we we have con- consistently said our dream would be to put on a screening of Midsummer, oh. Prince Charles. Yeah, that's that's what we'd love to do. So, um, if you're listening, guys, hit us up. I've 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 got like a short list of like not maybe cage films but obviously like coppola family films like there's a, a Franz ford coppola film called one from the heart and i would just right. i would just love to show that because it's weird and like nobody yeah. no, nobody talks about it but that's probably why it's not being shown at the prince charles <laughs> <laughs> um so before i let you go graham is there any advice you would give to anyone if they are ta- partaking 
in a, a Nicolas Cage marathon or any kind of all-night film marathon in the future? Um, just do it. Like it's out. Everyone, you, everyone I've said it to is like, "You're nuts. Why are you doing this? Go sleep like a normal person." Um, it's a lot of fun. Like, especially something. Yeah, obviously, you're only going to do it for something that you really enjoy. So, if you're really into Nick Cage films, go do it. It's 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 one of those things that um you will feel shit the next day and you'll probably feel, or you'll contract a terrible cold and feel shit for weeks. Um, But, um, but it's just, it's just a blast. Like, you know, life's too short not to, we can finally get back into cinemas after a year and a half of not, if you can go see an all night marathon of your favorite films, just do it. And if you know, Mandy's going to be on at 7am and you've not watched it before make sure you don't watch it ahead of time because it's an experience <laughs> perfect well Graham it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast and being a fellow survivor with you as well I feel like we're kind of our souls are bonded together for life now forever The second Prince Charles Nicholas Cage all-nighter survivor I have with me is the Cage Rage host, my bitter rival, and a man who travelled <laughs> all the way from Leeds to London to experience 12 hours of Nicholas Cage mania, Daryl Edge. How are you doing today, Daryl? Hello, Petros. Thank you for inviting me on. Um, I think possibly like you, I'm a little bit husky, as you can probably tell in the voice. Um, so, you know, there's there's a saying in the cage community, you don't come out the same the other side, and that's basically mentally, emotionally true as well. So paying paying for the sins of art right now. Yeah, so, so, so me... Me, me and you kind of sat together throughout this whole experience and um the way the, <laughs> the way i can explain our walk to the station after after this kind of experiential night was like i don't like two kind of, it, it was like the beginning of 28 days later just a couple of two zombified men just kind of like wandering the streets of a derelict london just trying to look for sustenance and normality and oh, I, yeah. I mentioned to, to graham jones about um something i said to you i said i just felt dirty like physically <laughs> i was like just dirty in my soul um how did you how did you like we'll, we'll we'll start at the end and then we'll work our way to the beginning how did you feel <laughs> after the experience of watching 12 hours of Nicolas Cage on the big screen I mean you you can't be the same after that I don't like I don't care for what reason you went into it what intention you had whether this was technically a business expense for us or if you were um just going as like a, a light-hearted laugh or something this changes you as a person on a molecular think, level <laughs> it, like i think that's exactly what i said to you when i came out i said to you uh graham and ian the podcast nobody asked for that i felt like every part of my dna was pulling itself apart like i felt like 
I was on the cusp of crumbling into a fucking pale ginger heap on the floor of London. And that was going to be the end for me. Um, in some ways, that's the way I would have wanted to go out. Um, I don't, it's like almost like a, a, a Jean-Claude Van Damme second win before he roundhouse kicks someone out the window. By the end of Mandy, I think there was kind of like a small surge of energy. Like I felt like, my God, I've done it, and now it's light, and like my body was kind of like, well, it's it's morning, so we're supposed to be awake now. So I felt kind of okay on the walk back because I was walking back to Victoria. Um, but I think the awful thing was just knowing that there was another Megabus coach waiting for me. So like <laughs> it, it didn't. It's like for me, you know, most of us, you just peeled off, you get a tube, you get a train, you're home in like half an hour, forty minutes. For me, there was the the dread of motorways still to come. Um, it was genuinely an endurance marathon for me in many respects. So I remember seeing like a tweet of yours, like maybe about four or five o'clock in the afternoon when I'd kind of, I was already home. I'd had like a cup of tea and a shower and just kind of curled up on the sofa, trying to stay awake, looking after my son. And you tweeted something like, I finally got home and it then it dawned on me I was like oh yeah fuck I left Daryl at like I don't 9 40 this morning it's like he's had like a <laughs> five hour journey home not only did he have a five hour journey home he just had this little wait at Victoria for at least an hour of just kind of like oh, oh, man. I, don't, I don't know like what I'm gonna do with myself this was genuinely it. It's like so we had like a nice little walk back from um Leicester Square to Victoria, walked past Buckingham Palace, um, and there was little signs outside Buckingham Palace that says like warning, thieves operate in this area, to which I point pointed at Buckingham Palace and said, Yeah, the fucking queen. <laughs> um, which I had to high five myself for that, really smashed it, I think. Um so I think we parted about it must have been about twenty to ten or something, quarter to ten. So I was like, well, I've got about hour 15 until my coach arrives, so I guess I'll just mill around for a bit. So I made the very, very depressing decision to get a, a Burger King at 10 in the morning. It's just, <laughs> it, it was it was the physical meat representation of how I felt. It just didn't taste right. It was oily. It was greasy. It was just sad. Just eating that burger at 10 in the morning was fucking sad. I couldn't get through it, so kind of just had to just throw it away. It, it was kind of like I almost felt hungover physically. Oh. It's like the, the the morning after. It's like I couldn't eat. I like the thought of food just made me nauseous. I I I, 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 I don't want to repeat myself too much on this podcast, but I genuinely had that feeling of like, especially when the sun came up, like, and the, it, was, it was like we got one more film left. Like, going into Mandy felt like calling a drug dealer at that time of the morning. Being like, <laughs> are, are, are you still delivering? Because it just felt like... And then when I came out at the end, it was like, I just feel, I feel like I've left, like, I don't know, like some sordid sex party to some degree. Just like, something <laughs> about me. I just did... I felt unclean. I don't... I felt like I couldn't tell anyone what I'd been up to. Do you know what I mean? If someone said like, "Oh, that that feeling you have when you're like, I don't want people to look at me. I don't. I don't want them to know my shame." Yeah, it's it, it was that weird. 
the morning after the night before thing of like coming out after Mandy and um, you know all the the people who'd still made it through because a lot of people sort of peeled off throughout the night um, and all the people like squinting because like the sun was out like a vampire just exposed to like the broken board in that old house and the sun like beams yeah. through um, and it was like this is this is wrong everything about this is wrong this is spiritually wrong this is physically wrong I feel like I'm an affront to God right now. Like if I was just zapped by lightning, it would make perfect sense. <laughs> I had that feeling. Uh, I, f- I feel like my like goodbye to anyone I'd kind of met or like the people who were outside the cinema. It's like, even though we shared this experience, it felt like that thing of like when you've been at a, at like an all night, like a house party or something. And it's like, you just want to get out of there. You you don't even want to like remember these people at all. You're just like, I just want to, I just want to fucking go home. I want to get away. I want to have a cup of tea. Like, do you know what I mean? I just want to forget about this yeah. night. Even though, like, the thing is, like, I'm saying this, and it sounds like I'm like, I, I I had a terrible time. It's just that thing of like staying up so late, and it's, it's just this weird, I don't know, feeling that came upon me of just like enduring all this Nicolas Cage in one night. Yeah, it was it, it it was like we'd we'd all almost in a Mandy-esque way, like we'd all sort of supped from that sort of jar of like psychedelic goop, like we'd shared this this weird abnormal trip. <laughs> um it's like if you I don't know, it's kind of like almost cultish in a way, which I guess a Cage fandom is. Yeah. We, we did a podcast, of course, but we're mentally ill. Of course we are. <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's, it's like if you weren't there, and I, I, I sound this, I get this kind of sounds a bit exclusionary, and I don't intend it to, but it's like if you weren't there, then it's hard to describe what it was, what this experience was, and what happened, um, and what you were a part of in all of this. And I think for me, um, and I know like I sort of said it to, you know, sort of the collection of us when we were outside, because, you know, we've sort of recorded this at the end of September, the 14th of September, I turned 30 years old. So by default, this is the best and worst thing I've ever done in my thirties. <laughs> uh, it's, it's an incredibly high bar or low bar. To set, depending on your um, your viewpoint of a Nicolas Cage marathon. And now, here I am with that little factoid as I enter this <laughs> next decade of my life. Amazing. Well, before we cut, like, yeah, let's kind of scroll right back to the beginning. And something I always ask people on this podcast, and it it feels very, 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 very redundant to ask yourself this question. But are you a Nicolas Cage fan, Daryl? Imagine if I said no. Well, Imagine you, if I said no. You never know. Like, I, I wasn't the biggest Nicolas Cage fan when I started this podcast, and I think it's, like, made for an interesting kind of subtext and meta nature to the podcast as a whole, because <laughs> it's kind of like I have been indoctrinated into the cult of Cage. Do you know what I mean? I'm kind of like, <laughs> I, I'm very much like the um, the Edward Malus of 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 cage fans like i kind of I, I went to the island i didn't know what was going on next thing i know i'm being burnt in a wicker man and i'm fucking loving it <laughs> that's, that's a lovely description i think like i think the short answer is like yes i i am a fan of nicholas cage like i say um 
of my own accord, my own volition. No one's paid me or got a gun to my head to say this. I do genuinely believe he is one of the greatest actors of our generation, maybe even the greatest. Um, I unironically call him the golden hog of Hollywood because I think he's got a 24-carat knob. Uh, and, and, and Hollywood wants to churn that for all it's worth, and they fucking should. Um, I think maybe, you know, 10 or so years ago, there might have been a sort of ironicness to my joy of him when I think this is around the time he had the Nick Cage losing his shit video, which is still one of my favorite videos on the internet. But <laughs> um, for a long time, I was like the sort of the Nick Cage guy. I think every friendship group has got one. But now, you know, as I enter this new dawn of life and arty farty things, I completely embrace that because I genuinely love the man. Um, and having my own podcast, it's been an absolute and again, this this sounds very sort of namby pamby kind of thing, but it, it it's been a real journey uh, watching yeah. all these films and seeing this and seeing this weird transition of um, once upon a time beautiful Cage in the eighties to action Cage, and then suddenly he just got old in the twenty tens, and he's had this old <laughs> face for about thirty years. Um, but I I genuinely love the man. Um, anytime there's a new Cage film, it's 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 exciting for me um and obviously not to go too much in a tangent to this but to do a nicholas cage podcast um as someone who deals with like mental health issues and anxiety and depression and stuff it's um you know and, and this is not ironic it's given me a weird sense of purpose it's something i've found a genuine passion in doing and um it's it's, it's a genuine joy to sort of uh be on this Weird. Well, as I call it, my journey to true Cage Nirvana. So the only way we'll understand him is by watching everything he's done, as you very well know, Petros. <laughs> as you very well know. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm further along the uh, the the road to Cage Nirvana, and I'm not sure. Like, I I I, I don't want to give you a Wizard of Oz situation and let you know that there's a just a man behind the curtain, Daryl. Like that may <laughs> not be the case. We are not at the end of the Yellow Brick Road yet, but um. I totally understand your points of this, like this sense of purpose. Like I'm, I'm somebody as well. Like it may not come across on the podcast at all. I don't know. Maybe in the way that I kind of sometimes second guess myself and stutter on things, but like, yeah, I'm also an anxiety and the, the, the depression sufferer. And like the joy I feel when somebody like I've never met from Adam says to me, like, I really like that thing you did. I'm like, that has like made my day. And I've like, I've gone into like doing podcasting on the thought of like, nobody's going to listen. Anything above that line is an absolute bonus. Do you know what I mean? And like, yeah. uh, I think I'm not sure who I was. I was talking to somebody recently and they asked me about, like individual stats for episodes I like, oh, is that ep like do you check that and i was like i just don't look at that stuff and they were like and they instantly got it and they went oh because like you're mentally you're, you're or at least you're trying to be mentally well do you know what I mean because like, <laughs> i've fallen down that rabbit hole of like every week going well this episode didn't do as well as the last one I must yeah. hate myself. And it's like, that's not conducive to anyone's mental health. I, I'm 100% in the same boat. I think because when I started the podcast, this was um, April 2020, which is kind of like 
COVID lockdown one, if you remember lockdown one, we've had about 58 lockdowns since then. Um, but I'd, I'd been let go from my job at the time. I was like, oh, I just decided to do a cage podcast. Like I, had a, I had a microphone. Um, I thought it just sounded like a good idea. It stuck with me for a few days because I'm usually a flight of fancy kind of guy. If the idea wanes, then I'm kind of like, oh, they probably didn't want to do it that much. This one didn't go away. Um, and much like yourself, I made a very conscious decision at the start. And I was like, um, I'm just doing this for me. Like, I'm not going to look at the stats I'm not going to let myself get bogged down by analytics and numbers and all of this. I'm just going to set myself a hobby. And um, I'm just if I, if I make this past 10 episodes, that's a win. Because I thought I would have packed it in. And I didn't because <laughs> I was like, I'm weirdly enjoying this. And I've not, because I'm such a hobby giver upper. I'm usually kind of like, like with music, there might be like, um, like a new song or an album or something. And I'll listen to it like obsessively for like two, three weeks. And then I'll find something else like these just intense waves of like short obsession. But now this has now spiraled into a almost year and a half podcast. That's ever extending because Nicholas Cage will not stop making films, which is great <laughs> for me and you. <laughs> um, I think I looked at, I did look at the stats once. I think it was on my birthday. I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to have a look. Mm. I'm just going to have a little peek. And then it was like about two and a half thousand downloads since the start. And I was like, I don't know massively what that means, but it means that someone's listening to this. And I was yeah, like, yeah. that's, it's, it's like, well, I'm not unhappy that I looked at it. It's kind of weirdly reassuring that there's been some uh, reward for yeah, this, I, 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 I guess. Yeah. Like I, I think once in a while is, is conducive to just being like, I don't know, like, yeah like healthy like all the time is unhealthy and like listening to you speak as well has very much made me realize that we are pretty much like the bizarro versions of each other in the way that like uh <laughs> i very much am the type of person to kind of throw myself into something for like two weeks and then go like i'm not gonna do that anymore or like just kind of like flitter on on to the next thing so it's it's yeah. it's, it's good to hear that Nicolas Cage has not only brought us to some kind of level of normality, but also brought us together, Daryl. It's a, it's a, it's a yeah. lovely thing. Um, so, obviously, yeah, you're a Nicolas Cage fan. It's, it's a given. Um, I would normally ask you, you what your favourite Nicolas Cage film is, but like, I want to know, what is the worst Nicolas Cage film you've seen, Daryl? Oh, boy. Um... I suppose taking into account, I think at the time of recording, I'm probably up to, in terms of films, I've said about 70 Cage films. I'm just finishing up 2014 on my own podcast at the time of recording. Um, this this is going to sound like an obvious choice. Left Behind was pretty bad. Yeah. Left yeah. Behind was pretty garbage. It's kind of like, I think that was one of the few films and that was an episode I recorded like in October or December of last year or something. So I've been sitting on it for a long time and listening to it back when I was recording it. I think it's, it, it, it's one of those things where, it, you know, it, it's so bad. It's, it has to make for a good episode because there's so many things to pick apart. But I, it just brought back the memory of um, just watching it on a day off from work on just a random afternoon, like at one, three in the afternoon or something. And I remember distinctly 
one, being baffled by the fact, I don't know if it is now, but at the time I was like, this is actually on Netflix. This is a film that is on Netflix. I didn't have to work or torrent this to find it. This is a film I can just get. What the fuck? Um, and it's one of the few films that I've, I think, paused about four or five times as it was playing to just put my head in my hands and actually at my TV shout, fuck right off. Um it's bad, it's bad, right? It's not like it's like there. There's like a level of like fun, bad, but it's just like, and it feels like Cage is like almost like scared to offend the Christians. Do you know what I mean? It's like so he just like he is a cardboard cutout of himself. He like there is no Cage isms in it whatsoever. Like I'm, I, I think you're the same as me in, in like a proponent of believing that. Even the bad films, Cage will deliver something interesting. And that, I think that's the one where it's like, yeah. even he just feels like he is like on the other end of a phone going, here's my lines. I'm Raymond Still. I'm a pilot heading to London to see you too. It's like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've never been privy to a film before that hinged on you too as a plot point as much as Left Behind did. It's almost a blessing for cage in that that the that the film has about 20 different characters it wants you to feel emotionally invested in all of which are vacuous pieces of shit yeah uh, and just all equally very very bad um but i think his acting style is it's very similar to what you said you know like if you're trying to have a chat with someone but they're kind of just glued on their phone you're like oh this thing happened today and it's like oh yeah 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 that's that's his uh, acting style. The guest I had on for it, Alex Keeley, uh, comedian Alex Keeley, says he's he was the equivalent of tap water in that <laughs> film, which I think is you know very very on point in a, in a hard um, water area as well. Not even good tap water. <laughs> tap water in a hard water area, and I've had my share of hard water. Um, but it's you know I'm, I'm sure there'll be some some stinkers to come as well but i think like you said even with some of the other just bona fide stinkers like uh, USS Men of Indianapolis um in Men of Courage i think it was yeah weirdly long title even that one where it's kind of like it's just a very bland cardboard performance from him it's almost i think the film is kind of redeemable because it's unintentionally hilarious when the crew gets attacked by sharks um but he's just kind of there, just being just like sad on a boat. Um, yeah. And then you watch an interview with him saying, I've always wanted to act at a film at sea. Like, really? This well, this was it? This was the film? It, it's, a, it's a very weird film, that one, because it is a story that is told in Jaws. So obviously it's based on a real story. And it, I think it's Quint who tells the story of being out at sea, being attacked by sharks and kind of surviving. And but like the film, like is like oh, there's such a fun idea in that of like being able to like I don't know do this film about like people being stranded out at sea, but USS Indianapolis Men of Courage decides to go. You know what? Do you know what we thought was a good film? Pearl Harbor, and then it's like, do you know what else we <laughs> thought was a good film? A few good men. So it's like we'll just kind of bunch up the interesting part of the story into the middle and then we'll put Pearl Harbor at the beginning and a few good men at the end. And it's it's yeah. a really disjointed mess of a film. 
Yeah, I think my favourite part, I think it's when it got to the credits and it was just them announcing that they they screened this film for like the survivors of the USS Indianapolis. And I couldn't help but think like if you were one of those like surviving crew members, you'd think, This is my legacy. Yeah. This is it. And this this random 2017, 18 Nick Cage film, are you fucking I watched my friends die <laughs> mauled by sharks and this, and this is it. Um oh, I, thought, I couldn't find it's like I couldn't find it anywhere. I fucking rented that on Amazon as well. That film has my money. I um, um I've got a I think it's a sickness that I, I have this urge to own every Nicolas Cage film on physical media. So I, I own that on DVD. Oh man. Oh man, more power to you. Doing the Lord's work so no one else has to own it. That's, <laughs> so, one, that's one person you've saved, so good on you. So um yeah, another question I would always ask is, um, what was the first Nicolas Cage film you ever saw, Daryl? To my knowledge, I believe it was Gone in 60 Seconds. Um, so I would have been like seven, eight, nine, uh, well, less than ten when it came out. And I always thought this film came out like before Fast and Furious, and it didn't, which blew my mind so, like, in my head, I was like, well, this clearly inspired the first and furious franchise. But um, I remember, like, friends renting it and, like, stopping around their house. And um, I think that they sort of had a little, I guess, a thing for cars, as I guess preteen, some preteen boys did back then. I was never really into cars myself, but I just remember it being like a, like a silly action film where some cars were driven. Um, so that was kind of my, my first memory of him. Um, and I remember thinking the film was all right. Obviously, watching it, the, the, the joy of nostalgia going back to some of these films later on. You're like, this isn't this isn't the film I remembered. <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot Christopher Eccleston was in it. I completely forgot Christopher Eccleston was the bad guy in that film. That has to have like that weird quirk that he whittles, doesn't he? He's like a carpenter, and that that's like his quirk as a villain. It's a very bizarre film, and I I hate to pull rank here and kind of uh, show you up, Daryl, but Gone in 60 Seconds predates Fast and the Furious. I, I, I don't mean to assert my dominance as the um, as, as, <laughs> as the, as the, as the, uh, the cage scholar who, who knows the release dates, but Fast and the Furious was 2001. Fast, uh, Gone in 60 Seconds was 2000, baby. I always knew you were a piece of shit, Petros. I always knew that about you. <laughs> <laughs> this is why people say that we should start beef yeah why, um, why, why, why do you think i was so nice to you on uh the, the, the saturday of the marathon daryl what's the what's the famous saying keep your uh, en- uh keep your friends close and your enemies closer friends close and rival podcasters closer yeah no i'm, I, I'm only messing with you no just because as you were saying it it really like i was like did, did it did it like this is, the, a- <laughs> this is the thing they they released it's kind of close together and like in my head for ages i was like i always thought fast and furious released first because then there was just it was just fast and furious and fast and furious and fast and furious so i think for a while um i thought that like gone in 60 seconds was kind of just a fast and furious inspired knockoff and yeah. it just wasn't it wasn't it's it actually uh fast and furious was gone in 60 second knockoff and i'm gonna you know stick with that until my dying day take that 
the thing is, I always think about a like alternative reality where that becomes a franchise, where it's Memphis Reigns and his like band of merry men taking on all of like I don't know, taking on the world and the world's ills. They're going to Dubai. They're going wherever and whenever they like. They're going to space. But instead, we got Vin Diesel and his band of merry chumps. Yeah, in a in a different timeline, it would have been um, you know Nicholas Cage saying that the uh, the most powerful thing is family. <laughs> we were we were so close to Nicholas Cage being the, the forefront of a franchise. Oh. Oh, what could have been? What, what could, could have been? Have been? Um, that, that's a that, that that's a perfect entry. But was it? Were, were you were you enamoured then, or did it take some time for you to become enamoured to Nicholas Cage? I think it took some time. I think I always knew who he was because he was kind of like ever present. Yep. But I, like, I don't think I, I think at that point in my life, I wasn't watching a film just for the actor or actress. It was just, uh, you know, or certain personal people. It was just watching a film for a film's sake. Um, so I'm trying to think what film it would have been that really sort of put him on the radar. Cause I mean, like I said, with the Nicolas Cage losing his shit video, I was like, he, this is a lot of screaming for one man. Has he really done this much losing of shit? So I think I was always aware of him in the background and sort of aware of, you know, um, the Wicker Man when that came out being like just a memeable shit fest um, for better or worse. I think it wasn't until really I went to sort of uni that I came a bit more enamoured with him because that's what happens when you go to uni, I guess. You just kind of find... (laughs) find things that are weird um i remember like there was a friend of mine at uni uh andy field who i had on the episode for the podcast um i think it was my first or second year i think we'd had like a falling out for some reason but instead of being in his third year and doing his dissertation he took the time to personally re-edit the entirety of the wicker man so it was just nicholas cage scenes amazing Um, and and it was just a ride (laughs) <laughs> an absolute ride um so i've just uh so i think just grown in admiration for him as as uh, as time has gone by definitely that that sounds like i has he still got that edit i'd love to see that i'm trying i'm trying to think how long it would be like i don't know cage is in that film quite a lot right yeah i mean i'd I think he, he he was working on it for a few days. And when I like, there was just like a DVD on the floor of like my second year house. Um, I started watching it. I was like, I know what they like. I know what this is now. And I was kind of like the effort. This is almost like the modern day equivalent of making someone you like a mixtape. I was like the effort that's gone into this. I was like, I can't, I can't be mad at you for this. Like, this, <laughs> is, this is, like we are, at, we, we are absolutely good <laughs> um you know this is a lifetime pass as far as i'm concerned i don't know if he has the edit anymore i think it's one of his old computers i wouldn't expect him no, to have the no edit you wouldn't anymore. expect that, that that that's the type of thing that needs to be needs to be like burnt on a hard drive and just kind of thrown away like it's like the mistakes you made in your past um so obviously we're yeah. here to talk about the prince charles all night nicholas cage marathon and um one of the things I wanted to know was how did you prep yourself? Was this your first all night marathon? Uh, it was. It was. Um, I don't know if there was any prep 
to be honest. Um, it was kind of a very last minute thing for me to go because I was kind of eyeing it up and kind of considering it. Um, and it was basically the Friday, the day before that I got my ticket and booked my coach down because like, my, my girlfriend was ill. So I was like, well, you know, what if it's COVID? You know, we're going to have to sort of call it off. Um, and then I think it was the helpful tweet from the Prince Charles Twitter account saying, you know, you should get fruits and waters and stuff. So um, just bundled a few things when I was in London on the day. I think looking back, I wish I'd brought like some uh, like jog bottoms or shorts or something to get a bit more comfortable with. But um, this was like a very much a, uh, I think it's like the first time you do like a, like a festival or something. You're not going to get it right on the first festival. Yeah. You're going to overcompensate. You're going to take too much stuff. You're going to get it wrong. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw myself into this, make the mistakes now. If I ever stupidly do this again, I will have learned. Um, I, I think I was hoping to be a bit more prepared for some naps, but that did not happen either. I th- I think one of the things I was like looking back on it that I kind of wish I'd done a bit more was treat myself a bit more. Like instead of like just having snacks that were like kind of like this is for sustenance. It's like bought myself a couple of bags of sweets or something. Do you know what I mean? Like just yeah. get that kind of like like I don't know, like little cheeky sugar rush as well as kind of like chomping an apple of film and like munching some blueberries or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like instead of like Yeah. Yeah, that's I think exactly the same boat. Like I got like, you know, a bag of four Granny Smith apples. Yeah. I think just the acidity of that just did me no favours whatsoever. <laughs> Um, I regret having that popcorn at the start of the night. That just turned to mush in my stomach. That was a mistake. I think after, it might have been after Face Off or maybe even Con Air, I got myself a bag of minstrels from upstairs. Uh, hashtag not an ad. Other sweets and confectionaries are available. <laughs> um, and that was like a nice little pick-me-up, I think. That sort of got me alert again. Um, I, I think I would take a bit more of a range of stuff, though, next time. Some fruits, like a little treat here and there as well little rewards like a good for being a good boy so obviously as your first um all-nighter what were your expectations like how did you kind of like feel it was gonna go did you feel did you plan any naps in were you kind of like wary that a, a nap could come upon you at any moment or were you just like i'm gonna see how the night goes there was a lot of that and i was very conscious that like by the time the event actually started you know, I'd been up, I'd been up for like fourteen hours by the time the event actually started. Um, so I, I think there was almost a pressure to stay awake for the first three films, which were The Rock, Conair, and Face Off. So I was like, these are arguably, you know, as you call them, the testosterone trilogy. These are three of the biggest Cage films, and in my head, I was like, this is kind of disrespectful to sleep through these um, cornerstones of sort of the cage empire. So I was kind of thinking like, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what the mystery film is. Maybe I can like get booking a nap through there, which turned out to be drive angry. Um, which was like, uh, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not ecstatic about it. I'm not miserable about it. Maybe I can get a nap in here. But as I quickly discovered, we sort of the space between seats as well, like the row in front and where like the arms, the armrests were, that in addition to the fact that I'm a six foot four man, I'm a long boy. It is very, very hard to get comfortable with that <laughs> limited space. Um, 
So like try as I might, I tried to like force myself into positions, try and get myself as comfy as possible. I could not nap for love nor money. You couldn't have paid me enough to nap. I was, for some part of it, I was almost napping, well, considering just taking a nap on like the aisle by the seats. I was like, fuck this, I'm out. But I was like, I can't, I can't do that. I'll just be asked to go back to my seat by the staff or something. I was like, I'm not going to inconvenience someone who's like pulled the cage night shift for this. And then I was like, okay, well, maybe I can get some nap time back on the, the Megabus back. And turns out I cannot nap on coaches either. <laughs> um, so by the time I got back, it was like, said it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. I'd been awake for about 36, 37 hours at that point. I think I had a little nap from like, maybe like th- maybe three or four. Whenever it was, I got back home. I'd say like four till eight or something, or five till eight, and like about three hours. Then had some food, which I just um just couldn't get through. Then ended up napping for another like fifteen, sixteen hours, and then and then felt suspiciously okay the following morning. <laughs> Tuesday I felt fine. Then Wednesday, which was yesterday at the point of recording, it was just like I felt like a pre-illness. And then today I've woke up with this husky voice and feeling like each passing hour I'm just going to degrade into something demonstrably worse than before. So so I think it's part of it. It's like you just, you've got that adrenaline kind of keeping you alive. And I thought my, my, uh, my partner had like, whatever they call it, like the mega flu, mega cold that's going around. That's not quite COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the way our relationship works is that she gets ill and then I get the ill but worse. So there's a part of it there as well. So I think either way, even if I hadn't have come to the marathon, this was, inevitable. this was always going to happen. This was inevitable. This was the, the basically the, the, the Thanos of, of your existence. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this is perfectly balanced as all things should be. Now she's healthy and I'm sick. Um, it was, it was strange as well. Cause it was like, this was the first time for me going to like the prestigious Prince Charles cinema as well. This is my first experience going there and, you know, they've got, um, there was the lady who introduced the evening and you get that still saying like, it's like a, the rock at half nine. And then it was like uh face off at 20 past 12. And I was looking at that thinking like, I don't remember the rock being this long or however long it was um, well, no, between the, films. Obviously there was the, the like con air in between. Yeah. The rock is long. Like, of course. Yeah. Well, like, like, so you talked about the mystery film being uh, Drive Angry. What were your kind of predictions? Or, like, let's talk about, like, what you thought it could be and what you really, in your heart of hearts, wanted that film to be. So I'll be honest, like, I didn't even consider Drive Angry Thor. Um, So so I guess, like, I guess they have to keep something that's maybe tonally similar in a way. Because you've got, like, action, 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 supernatural action supernatural um so i was thinking oh maybe they might do like a ghost rider or something like that but in my heart of hearts i think as i said to you during one of the breaks i was like i was kind of willing for the wicker man i was like fucking like come on like prince charles if you've got the stones if you've got the (laughs) intestinal fortitude uh then you will give us the wicker man um and then like when it came on remember like (laughs) just (coughs) Excuse me. Some like the opening credits was like um, Miramax, and then Saturn Films, and then someone just shouted, and it might have been Ian or Graham actually. Um, 
you'd have to ask them. And then someone just shouted like, this doesn't tell us anything. Um, and then, um, <clears throat> oh God, I'm dying. And then Drive Angry came on. I, was, I think the, the, the consensus kind of seemed to be that the people still there and was like, yeah, yeah, it could be better, it could be worse. Yeah, fine. Yeah, I think not, like in my heart of about hearts, it. I wanted it to be dead full just for the like sheer mania that would have caused in the room. Just because like, I don't, it felt like people were waning when it got to drive angry, right? It kind of like came in with more of a whimper than a bang. Yeah, I'm trying to find the the, the picture I took of the screen. Um, they said the mystery film was... The mystery film was at five in the morning, so um, we got drive angry at five in the morning, knowing that Mandy would follow at seven in the morning. And I guess, like, you, you just you just don't know how you're going to be for these films. And I think um, the most stark thing for me was that I guess I hadn't anticipated what the audience was kind of going to be like as well, because you know the film started and it's just in the credits, like starring Nicolas Cage. There's like 160 people going, yeah. <laughs> and then he came on screen and they're like everyone's like clapping going like Whoa! and then um you know with the quotable moments same with like you know films like that all i kind of was just like what oh, the barney bagger and the box everyone's going like yes um and there's like a lot of laughter throughout the first three films as well you know a lot of um people enjoying things maybe a bit too much says like the cage uh the cage uh protector in me um but I remember coming out of it and just realising, you know, like, we've basically cheered for five Nicolas Cage films. We've cheered every time Nicolas Cage has been on <laughs> screen. And I think my exact words to, like, you, Ian and Graham were, this might be the whitest thing I've ever been a part of. Um... <laughs> well, I, I, I feel like the whole event was very, yeah, 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 it, it, yeah, yeah, it's white. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, yeah we're all white, yeah. <laughs> there was, there was a, there was a, uh, Quite a hint of caucasity to the evening's events, <laughs> um, uh, but you know it was it was an experience. It's one you know, you know I'm happy I did it. So I, I felt like there was the pressure of the podcast to go and do it as well to show face almost exactly exactly. But like what what like I I I'm 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 glad I'm so glad I did it. Like just for the experiential nature of the whole thing and. um so what what were your feelings going into Mandy at seven o'clock in the morning? Because obviously it's a film you've seen before, right? So like, yeah, knowing that that's what you're going into at seven o'clock in the morning, what were you kind of like feeling beforehand? Like, <laughs> like, well, I I know, I know, me and you took a shit break before Mandy, right? It's kind of like <laughs> the bowels had broken, and it was like it, we just got to go, right? <laughs> I think that was uh, that was the, the physical change for us both. It's like, well, we've hit a point now of no return. Yeah. And it was like, well, we've made it this far. Um, and then we were just like in, in the line for like the cubicles, like a bunch of absolute chumps. Um, just, you know, we couldn't, you know, acknowledge it. We just you know, can't make eye contact with anyone. Uh, and again, there's people coming in going, oh, you, oh, are you queuing up for the urinals? And you just have to kind of look someone dead in the eye and be like, no. I'm queuing up nah. for a stall because I need a shit. Like that's, you might, you might as well have said to someone, right? 
Yeah, it's like I made a mistake and I had some popcorn about five hours ago and now my stomach is bubbling with <laughs> diarrhea. Um Apologies if that was too graphic for you, listeners. Um, I'm, well, that's that's the reality. That was the reality. Exactly. The we 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 got to tell the war stories, right? It can't all be like the the victory of it. It's got to be the the, the scabs and the scars that, that <sighs> made us the men we are today. Highs and lows, man. Highs and lows. And then you just come out of that and go back into like the pitch darkness and find your seat for like like wow, man. And you're like, oh, fuck, like you know, you know, last. You know, we've got to go the distance here. We've got, we 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 can go the distance. I can rock you this shit. Um, and then it's almost like just a quiet acceptance of Mandy. Um, I think I might have got like minutes of sleep here than there because I was. I think I was kind of just trying to force myself. Like this is the last opportunity to try and get some kind of shit eye in. And it was just a psychedelic acceptance of like things out of your control. Like this is happening. This yeah. is the world I'm in now. Um, I, and here we are. I said it to Graham that 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 first forty five minutes to an hour of Mandy almost will you at that time of the morning to fall asleep because it is that kind of like hazy psychedelic drugged out feeling that the film has that it's like if you are tired this is going to kind of like lull you into this kind of like I don't know almost like comforting feeling that like if you're if you're prone to like napping at that time you're going to probably drift off before the kind of like the mania of all of it hits right yeah it's i think the best way to sort of you know describe it is um as mandy's coming into an end and obviously it's that quite striking visual of like nicholas cage driving that car covered in blood just like gurning at the camera with that wild-eyed face i was like that's that's how I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right that, now, yeah, yeah. I, exactly, I wanted to turn to you with that look on my face, like just to be like that, like this is like, uh, and I was hoping for like a kind of like kismet scenario where we both kind of just turned to each other, like we probably did without realizing it. Probably just turned to each other, like, <sighs> like, like <laughs> if there's an yeah. audio representation of that face that Nicolas Cage does at the end of that film. Because it was like, it's a, it's a, it's a weird enough film, and I'm not sure was that your first time watching it on the big screen, or had you had the opportunity before? No, first time on the big screen for me. I think it's there's obviously like a spate of Cage films at the moment, which are quite limited releases, and um, Mandy was one of them. But I don't I don't recall it coming out anywhere near to me. So watching it at home on Blu-ray was my first experience of it, but then. That with all the films, seeing them in like glorious thirty-five millimeter, um, I think it just you know it really accentuates the film and elevates it. Um, you know, for the for the cinema purist in you, so it kind of demands your attention in a way. Um, so it was just, it was just it just trippy. Like I felt at that point um, that I that I was on hallucinogenics. Yeah, it was just like this, like slack jawed, wide eyed, just like. Uh, uh. that is like the reason i'm glad i went to it because like just having that experience of mandy at that time of the morning it's like i think it's the um the the woman who gives mandy like that kind of like like that <laughs> that heroic dose of lsd says like we call this the cherry on the top and that's what mandy felt like to that night 
it was the cherry on the top of just kind of like we as a cinema the prince charles have like drove you through this kind of nirvana of nicholas cage now here is the cherry on top of it all and this we're gonna take you on a psychedelic fucking trip that's gonna blow your mind and it i, I felt it i was like kind of like my mind was melting yeah yeah it's like i not that i've done like you know hard class a drugs before but i felt like i had on that night mm-hmm. um in some ways it feels like it's still in my system yeah uh i think if if, if at that point at point like the fucking Hellraiser bondage leather clad bike riding demons had just come through the uh the cinema down the aisles and just carried me away like yeah cool man why not yeah why not at this point if a fitting end had carried you away you'd have been like that's all fine by me baby yeah blow your fucking magic green conch and send me to hell bro (laughs) bro. like (laughs) i've got nothing else on this 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 is the way i want to go out right now Amazing. Whiz me past the Ritz and fucking chuck me through a window like the working class scum I am. <laughs> so obviously we talked about like, so was the experience enjoyable for you, Daryl? I must know that. If anything, it was. It, it was. I think it was. I think it took me like a few minutes to sort of acclimatize to what the atmosphere was and what it was I was actually going through. But overall, um, I'm glad I did it. I enjoyed it. I'm in no rush to ever do it again. <laughs> honest assessment i laugh but uh, i i feel the same if like it feels like for me as somebody who like now works in a school i was like if this happened in a half term i could have like prepped myself like kind of like acclimatized myself to like the sleeping pattern and kind of got it so like it was just a walk in the park do you know what i mean like if you have the time off before and after to just kind of like breeze through it like oh yeah i'm doing a couple of night shifts and then just like flip 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 your clock around for a bit it would have been like an absolute an absolute cakewalk um so let's talk about some things you didn't enjoy and me and graham mentioned certain somebody who i know very much got on your wick and we're talking about the lady in the back row baby oh fucking that row arc hunt Oh, just, it's, I mean, how do we even, like, so basically there was someone who's never seen a film before in their life, and again, I apologise if this sounds snobbish or like a, a cinematically elitist or whatever, but um, this was someone who didn't realise that the people on the screen are pre-recorded and this is not live theatre and that they can't hear you and talk throughout every single film like was drinking the entire night you know what that's fine that's your right to do so enjoy the night as you see fit but was talking throughout every film just loudly and the thing i don't think people wanted to like say anything in case they didn't get that also i am also spartacus reaction um but she was getting shushed and shushed and shushed and would not shut up and i think as you said she just got just like in face of like why are they taking each other's faces off i was like have you not been watching the film like it's like we all know it's a fucking absurd premise but like there's a reason established as to why they are doing this how do you not get this um but the the, and just annoying just would not shut up and the, the greatest joy though sort of skipping through the the 12 hours 
is when we were all came out at the end, you know, came out the other side all like piled out like ants. Like ants, and then she came out looking like absolute garbage. Like she's been awake for four hundred hours, hair and makeup all over the place, stumbling. And I was like, "That's what you fucking deserve." And I hope you, and I hope you've had like a hangover for like a week. Um, at at the point, you know, I was so just like weird and just like felt all over the place. I was kind of like, I wanted just to, and this is going to sound unnecessarily aggressive, and like I don't, I don't feel that way now. But you have to understand, at the time, I'd been awake for about, you know, twenty seven hours or so at that point. If she died, I would have laughed. If she just dropped dead and died, I'd be like, fucking yes. Um, I don't feel that way now. I've slept. I've had time to reconsider that emotion. It is not me. It is not who I am. You just have to understand the circumstances surrounding it. I've been awake for a long time. A Nicolas Cage marathon, believe it or not, is a lot to go through. I'd been on five and a half hours of Omega was getting there, an hour more than I had to because of like traffic. There's congestion on the London tubes. I had another four and a half hours to go of megabuses going back. My day had not finished. I was in no mood for her bullshit. So if she died at the time, I would have probably just high-fived everyone around her. That was outside the Prince Charles Cinema. Again, I do not condone people randomly, spontaneously dying. Um, but at the time, it would have been a blessing. And that's all I'll say without my lawyers present at this time. <laughs> well, there was a moment, I think it was like near the start of Mandy, where the kind of group in the back row turned to each other and said, we've just run out of booze. Like, cause I kept hearing Incredible. like bottles clink around them yes. as well. So I was like, I, I didn't want to be like a, a real, like, I don't know, like Poindexter and be like... <laughs> You've clearly brought in outside alcohol. Do you know what I mean? Like they had, because nobody could have been so like mangled and mashed as they all were when it got to yeah. the end without like yeah. kind of just having a supply of alcohol throughout it. Like who knows what it was. Like, but they were they were absolutely mashed out of their like nuts by the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, fucking morons and a disgrace to the good name of Nicolas Cage. How dare they besmirch the Golden Hog? Well, I thought what was great about it is the fact that, like, there was that level of, like, um, crowd participation and people, like, getting involved and stuff like that. Because, like, I think once you acclimatise to it and kind of, like, get used to it, it was kind of like, oh, I'm with my people. And it was, yeah. like, I think it was unfortunate for us being sat where we were that we kind of had this, like, adverse effect of that of people like taking it that one step too far it's like that thing of like just getting involved in a pantomime when it's not like the he's behind you like line do you know what I mean somebody just like chipping in at, I don't know when Dick Whittington's giving a speech or something it's like no it's not the time for it there's crowd participation and this isn't it and it's like when everybody was kind of beating the same drum it was really fun and it like made the experience so much more enjoyable and kind of like being like, I'm home. Yeah, I, I think it kind of almost elicits a reaction you wouldn't get from watching it at home because there's some like funny points to the film is that I guess you talk, you kind of don't really laugh at when you watch it by yourself. But when you've got the the collective of that crowd and it's just it just becomes a lot more enjoyable. 
and funnier. Um, you know, not massively when you you know you're fighting the Rotar enemy from within back there. <laughs> they can infiltrate us and whatever, but um, it brings it's just another element to it with the whole the, the sort of crowd participation. I, I like I, I had a, like one of my biggest laughs of the night was just like seeing another patron's like reaction to the whole like dragging the hand down the face from face off and there was yeah. a guy absolutely losing his mind a, a few rows in front of us and he like him laughing just made me laugh even more and i was like this is great this isn't an experience i would have been able to get at home and there's like yeah throughout like the kind of especially the first three and it it kind of like there was there was a bit of a sea change when it got to drive angry there's a lot of people who kind of dipped out around that point and then there was a real like reverence i found for mandy it, it almost felt like people didn't even cheer when nicholas cage came on screen because it was like that thing of like people knew what was coming for them do you know what i mean they kind of knew like this is this isn't a film to like cheer. do you know what i mean this isn't the rocky horror picture show this isn't the room this isn't, <laughs> this isn't a pantomime this is some serious yeah. shit yeah it's it's a weird film to cheer for man the obviously by the end credits there was applause i think that was almost in part of applauding ourselves saying like that's it that's film five like we're done like we're out we've made it everyone um i don't know if i'll ever applaud for a film again um it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a foreign it's a foreign experience to me um as an emotionally closed off man <laughs> um but it was you know enjoyable in the room um I'm trying to think the next the next film I see will probably end up being ugh, no time to die just because it's the only thing on. But yeah. I'm not going to applaud it because I've got you know I've got some yeah, stones. I've got standards. Only Cage gets my applause. I'm not going to get started on the fact that my local cinema has 40 showings a day of No Time to Die. Yeah, same, same, same. Yep, cinema is back, baby. We are living in the dark <laughs> times once again. Uh, so oh, yes. Before we wrap this up, I just want to ask you, what would be your advice to anyone if they were embarking upon either a Nick Cage all-night marathon or any all-night marathon for that fact? Um, I think, you know, have your range of snacks, get your fruits, get a few sugary little sweets in there to range it up. I think water is key um, to keep yourself hydrated and alert. Um, energy drinks, you're going to crash. Think, take something comfortable. I think that was, you know, a mistake I made. I should have talked something comfortable. There was the two um, uh, women who were sat in front of us, and they had like the travel pillow, and they had the blanket. They had the aisle seats; they could sort of stretch out as well. So they had it all planned out to a T. From personal experience, if you're traveling from afar, um, take a, a mode of transport as close to the time that the film starts as possible. So you're not up for any longer than you need to be. You'll need your energy and your strength. Um, and I think don't be afraid to fucking rat out stupid, chatty cunts at the back of the cinema. I was a <laughs> coward and regret it that I didn't <laughs> knock them out. Um, don't be afraid to throw hands. Don't be afraid to throw hands is my ultimate advice. <laughs> if you're going to go for a marathon, knock cunts out, knock people out, chin people, bring back, bring back the happy slap. That's what I say. Jesus. Well, on that note, Daryl, uh, <laughs> that bombshell. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, where can people keep up to date with everything you're doing with Cage Rage or yourself? 
uh, personally or yeah, sell your wares to us, Daryl. Um, if you like my level of aggression <laughs> and um, and other sorts of things, uh, you can find me on Twitter at cage underscore podcast. That's usually where I'm most active. Uh, also on Instagram at cage rage pod. Um, you can find my between the two my various shit posts on there. Um, also on all the usual streaming services, um, you can find the uh, the link tree on the socials. Uh, your, your Googles, your Amazons, your Apples, your Podchasers, and the like. Um, I'm just about to wrap up 2014 at the point of recording this with Petros. Um, so it's been it's been a lovely year to go through. Um, <laughs> so I've got I've got some catching up to do. Um, for uh before I get to Petros's level. But if you listen to my theme and think it sounds a little bit familiar, Petros bloody mate, that is bloody really good, isn't it? <laughs> um, and then in the far flung future, you know, as as Petros is moving on to the Copler connections, I will be hopefully one day, whenever that will be, moving on to the works of Willem Defoe with Getting Defoe You, another name, I think, uh, supplied by Petros. I owe him all of my success, basically. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, all of that stuff to come. Amazing. Well, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast, uh, Daryl. And it was a a pleasure meeting you and sharing this weird and wonderful experience with you as well. A bond, an unbreakable bond of brothers. Yeah. um, That will uh, be tested by time. I, I said it to Graham and I, I said it to you as well. That it feels like we're kind of like intrinsically linked by the soul. We're melded together for, forever, whether we like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> we are cosmic bros forevermore. We are radioactive, baby. <laughs> The third person talking to me all about the Prince Charles Nicholas Cage all-nighter is the other half of the podcast that nobody asked for. Ian Harries, how are you, sir? I'm good, I'm good. It's, it's, it's slightly weird being away from Graham. I'm not used to talking about films without him being here, wow. but I think I'll, I think I'll get used to it. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm glad I could be the the other man in this situation, <laughs> the, the the late night lover, the the booty call, as it were. The Nic- every everyone needs a Nicolas Cage podcast booty call on speed dial. Yeah, uh, it's uh, and, and you've got there's two. nowhere else I'd rather be. You've got two, right? You, I, I'm sure. I'm oh, sure you true, could booty true. call yeah. Daryl any time, and he would he, he would pick up the phone <laughs> as well. Um, amazing. Well, uh, yeah, well, a question I love to ask anyone who comes on this podcast, no matter what it is for, and it feels very redundant. I've said this. Uh, well, yeah, I've I've obviously said this to all three people I've spoke to. <laughs> Are you a Nicolas Cage fan, Ian? Uh, just a little bit, yeah, just a little bit. So I think the the, the the perfect summary of how much I love Nicolas Cage is the last five or six birthdays I've gone out of my way to watch a Nicolas Cage film. I have had people ask if I'm joking when I talk about how much I like him. And it's just, it's become... I think people think I'm doing a bit when I say I think he's one of the most underrated actors working, but... I legitimately feel it. This this year's birthday film was uh, because we had 
the Nicolas Cage marathon planned, I didn't want to pick something which would possibly be the mystery film. Okay. So I watched Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> which, so Graham mentioned this, that he watched yeah. part of it and like you had rewound oh. it. So how, how was Jiu-Jitsu for you, Ian? It it was uh, it, it is a proper good bad movie. <laughs> it's, it's the only way to describe it. Nicolas Cage is full Nicolas Cage in it, and I would I, I would recommend it, but I wouldn't watch it by your. It's not one to watch by yourself. It's one to watch with a group of friends with a beer. Yeah, I I had the unfortunate pleasure of watching it twice because I rec- I. I was fortunate enough to get a press screener of like a, a press link for the, for the oh, film wow. before it came out, and then <laughs> and and then I recorded like a spoiler-free special on the release, and then like yeah, when it came round to covering it like properly on the podcast, I had to then watch it again, and I own it on Blu-ray because I have. Ooh. What can only be described as uh, a severe mental illness where I have to own every single <laughs> Nicolas Cage film on physical media. Just so, like, one day I can, like, I don't know, you know, like, the Pringles man was buried in a Pringles tube, apparently. I, I like to think it is so. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just going to be, you, like... You just, you just want all of your uh, all, all of your Blu-rays buried with you. Just all my Nick Cage ones, yeah, just kind of pushed out to sea and then a big a big fiery arrow shot at me and just all this plastic and person <laughs> just burning up and really ruining the atmosphere. Well, is that where... I mean, if you want to go full Nicolas Cage, obviously he's... I, my favourite thing with Nicolas Cage is everything sounds like we're lying. Mm. But obviously, Nicolas Cage has got his pyramid he's going to be buried in in New Orleans. Yes. So may, maybe that's the way to go. You just make a pyramid out of all of these Nicolas Cage Blu-rays. That's perfect. And we just what I'd like to <laughs> lay you to rest in there. Use the cases and then just have all the discs so the shiny side is facing out so it's even more of a monstrosity. Yeah. And it's just like this kind of... Anyone who comes to visit me on a sunny day would just be blinded by the by the ghost of Nicolas Cage as well. Yeah, that's a... yeah, it works. And then to go full Nicolas Cage, we'll get a dinosaur skull in there. We'll have a, something to do with a castle. It'll be great. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, you mentioned that pyramid. I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to Brian Taylor, one of the directors of um, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, and Mum and Dad. Oh, cool. And he told me this great story of him and um, his co-director. His name escapes me. Ah, oh, Mark Neville Dean. Um, they went for yeah. beignets with Nicolas Cage in New Orleans <laughs> to kind of talk about the film. And then out of nowhere, Cage just turned around to him and went, hey, guys, do you want to see my tomb? And then they hopped the fence <laughs> into the cemetery to see Nicolas Cage's, like, pyramid. And I like that sums the guy up to me. But like, where where does your life go after that's happened to you? Exactly. Like, you've gone out for beignets with Nicolas Cage, who's then convinced you to hop a fence into a cemetery to see his pyramid. It's like, well, that's it. I've peaked. I, <laughs> I I think I read recently as well that it's like it's somewhere he takes like his like dates like quite early on to see it it's like kind of like if you're you've got a seat like like mm. 
if if you if you don't if if you can't take me at my tomb, you don't deserve me at all. Kind of like <laughs> yeah. affair. It's, it's a very like imagine that. Like I don't know. I've been on some weird dates, but that would be the weirdest, right? Well, it's because if if you're in New Orleans as well, he can take you past that murder house he used to own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the La, <laughs> like, La the most, house. The most yeah, the most haunted house in America, or one of the most haunted houses. So go check that out, and then head down to the pyramid. It's, it's a very but yeah, I love how bizarre he is. I remember um, someone reached out to me on Twitter and said, "I think this is possibly. I need to refind it. It's possibly one of my favourite photos." Is um, Nicholas Cage in a car phone warehouse, getting a getting a contract on a phone because obviously he'd bought a castle near Bath, and you got like yeah. Nicholas Cage dressed like a Dickensian character, in a pair of Uggs, I believe, as well, with just like this really like ruddy bloody bloke, like just stood there in his like uh, car phone warehouse shirt and a pair of Reebok classics, like yeah, he's me and Nick. It's me and Nick, like, and I just want to know what deal we got. Do you know what I mean? Did he get like twenty four month contract? Was it a pay as you go? Like, what phone did he go for? Is he an iPhone what? man? Is he a Samsung guy? What? Who knows? Well, it it depends. It like it it's, it depends which side of the tax divide he was. If it was before all of that hit, mm. he's going to get the most expensive weird phone he possibly could. And if it was after that, it is probably a pay as you go with free calls at the weekend and then that's it that's all the accountant would allow that is true i'm like I d- yeah i'd love to know where because nick cage sounds like he's back to his kind of old ways isn't he you kind of hear about him in interviews that he's like he's got a crow and he's he's, he's got like all these weird yeah. all this weird stuff going on again so it feels like he's kind of the cash has risen back up well you had the one one of my most watched Nicolas Cage things recently is his hauntingly beautiful rendition of Purple Rain. Oh wow. I've I haven't I have not <laughs> he, seen this. So he was very drunk at a karaoke bar. And it is him just like shouting the lyrics to Purple Rain down this microphone. And it is everything you could expect from Nicolas Cage singing Purple Rain at karaoke. That's um, that's beautiful. The The thing I've, like, avoided kind of... and Well, no, I watched it and it made me feel very sad and, like, I've just made a, a decision there and then that I won't, like, share it on Twitter was that video of him getting kicked out of a bar recently or, like, a, a restaurant. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that because apparently, like, a relative died recently or something oh. like that. And and it is it is... That feels a bit like it's not. It's not him being weird. It is actually just him being very sad. And yeah. there's a you don't feel like you can laugh at that. That's uh, we've all we've all had a shitty time when stuff like that happens. And the fact the video is shared by like the Sun US, and it's like oh, the yeah. most irreprehensible like newspaper of all time sharing this absolute fucking bullshit. It's like no, thank yeah. you. Um, so yeah, you're a Nicolas Cage fan. That's uh, that's a given, right? Oh yeah. So yeah, that, that, that's the, that's the takeaway from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You you, <laughs> you know the weirdness. You've watched him sing Purple Rain. You've you uh. almost outdone me. Um, so what would have been the first Nicolas Cage film you would have seen? Can you remember? Oh, um, I think. 
so I think it would have been something like Face Off. Uh huh. So not not when it came out, we would be talking kind of like early noughties. Um, but I think it would be something like that. Um, just because it is a, it, it's the kind of film my dad would have showed me. <laughs> so it, it's it is we growing up we had a local like video rental store, mm-hmm. which uh, I think as it stopped making money kind of the coffee part of it got bigger and bigger and now i think it is just a coffee place <laughs> but he would always go there so i watched uh i remember i was uh sick off school one day when i was like nine or ten and he came back with predator on vhs <laughs> so it would de- it would definitely be a a dad bought it back from video world film because i mean it's it's face off it's it it it's definitely what, it's a weird action film yeah yeah it's one of those films that like i think everyone like of a certain age saw it suspiciously young i i kind of had yeah i had that with commando i remember like and i'm only 30 i don't know why commando is my go-to film for this but i remember like i'm not sure like i'm i'm I, i'm yet to kind of speak to somebody who has this like shared memory of like having a video play like vhs player like downstairs that could show in the bedrooms upstairs i'm not sure how it worked like Ah. but yeah it was like a separate channel so people could watch the tv downstairs but you could kind of like you could yes yeah i do remember something like that um a friend of mine had it but it was always it was like their sky could transmit to the other rooms or ah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you had you had to have it on the TV downstairs. Oh no, this was like you didn't have to have it on the TV. It like the no. VHS could just like beam into the bedroom. Oh wow. And I, I I remember like watching Commando when I was like eight or nine years old. Or something like something silly like that. Like disgustingly young. And my mum like turned over to the VHS channel and then called up to me <laughs> and I like, ran down in my pajamas. So I was like, Yes mum? So what do you want? Like, I think she's turned over at the bit when Arnold Schwarzenegger snaps Bill Duke's neck on, on the plane. <laughs> and I, oh, my, my response was, it's fine, mum. I watched it round my friend's house before. And she just went, oh, okay then. Oh, 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 oh. all right. Yeah, you, you're the youngest of three. We've given up now. Like, like <laughs> that, it doesn't matter. Like, if you've said you've seen it, it's fine. Yeah, so yeah, no, I, I I definitely watched Commando far too soon as well. Yeah. But yeah, Nicholas Cage was fa- uh, face off. Weirdly, I then didn't watch kind of I didn't watch Con Air and The Rock until quite a bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, but Face Off was definitely the the introduction, and then I kind of went out of my way to start seeking films out from him, and then the habit became a problem after university. <laughs> what would you say was like the first film you saw that really like? If it wasn't Face Off, was there a film that really like stood out to you of like I've really, really got to see more of this guy? Um, so it, it's kind of it's kind of really like two films, I think, because you have like Nicolas Cage, the legitimately very good actor, uh huh, um, and then you have Nicolas Cage, the Nicolas Cage, yes, so. Uh, I watched Raising Arizona, where he's phenomenal in it. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think it gets because obviously, Leaving Las Vegas is everyone's first 
port of call when you're talking about how legitimately good he is as an actor. But Raising Arizona never seems to be talked about. It's like the other, other, other Coen Brothers movie. So I saw that, and then quite quickly after that, I think I saw like Gone in 60 Seconds. Okay. <laughs> and it was like, these are two, these are the same person. <laughs> this hasn't, <laughs> I don't understand how this, this could be the same guy. And then from there, I think I just started, so you had like 8mm, um, Matchstick Men, which has one of my favourite cage outbursts in, but not many people have really seen it. Um, and just started ploughing through as many of them as I could. I was like, you know what? This is my jam. I like to your point of um obviously the fact that like there's that disparity between what he mm. can give you. I love the fact that you can get that within a year. Do you know what I mean? You can like a film can come out in the same year and you're just like, This is the same guy? Mm. Well Th- t- uh, this year is the the prime ex- yeah. the prime example. What the beginning of the year we got Willy's Wonderland and then we got Pig. Yep. And it's like it, well, like and then and you, you went for the other side of the bookend there. I was going to say, so in one week, went to the Prince Charles Cinema to watch Pig. So I think I saw it on like the Wednesday. Then on the Friday, I went to free, uh, see uh, Prisoners of the Ghostland yeah. at Fright Fest. Yeah. So you have Nicolas Cage in like, like Oscar, but like legitimately Oscar buzz role mm-hmm. about like grief and its impact on. Uh, someone and then you have a film where he has a bomb wired to his testicles sorry no a bomb individually wired to each testicle yeah. i was like yeah this is i'm okay with this it's it it's just fascinating that we like we get that from like nicholas cage that he is this kind of i always yeah he, he very much like it's a roulette role or like yeah it's a, it's just oh, a yeah. roll of the dice every movie and that, i think that's what makes him wholly interesting as an actor and like i think gets people like us coming back and even i don't know the initiated like come back for that and kind of take the take yeah. the rough with the smooth but then i think i don't know i guess even the uninitiated like they're kind of i don't know they probably have that thing of like he's just shit and like we kind of saw it when pig came out like yeah well, has nicholas cage always been great or is it just now and it's like well, it's, it, it's the, the amount of people. So it, I, I let it be known that I was going to see Pig, and I had a lot of people say, "All right, let me know what it is." And I think the message I sent out to a few friends was like, "Look, it's legitimately incredible. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's I, I'm, I'm not. I don't think it will win, but I could see it get like Oscar nominations. I think it's a beautiful portrayal." Um, and everyone's response was, "Is it though?" Or are you just saying this because it's Nicolas Cage? Uh-huh. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, legitimately, it's, it's very, very good. But what's kind of good now is, so, like you said, you kind of have the, 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 rough, the rough with the smooth. And previously, the rough was generally because he couldn't turn roles down because he had to make money. Um, the rough films now seem to be kind of because he seems to be a bit in on the joke. Yes, that he's Nicolas Cage and he seems to be making decisions to star in films that could only be like Primal was a piece of shit, but it could only be a Nicolas Cage film. It's a big game hunter on a boat. There's no other actor who could make yeah. that film be made. I, I like the thing is like, I'm not sure if it's because I've like watched every Nicolas Cage film and I'm always like kind of 
judging the last the, the 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 next one against the last one and stuff like that kind of yeah. got to the point where I'm a lot more forgiving <laughs> to certain films. Primal, I absolutely loved. I was like, this is great. <laughs> like I was like it, it almost feels like a weird compa- like companion piece to Con Air in a way. It's this kind of like yeah, yeah, ragtag guy who's and he's a, he's he's quite quippy in Primal as well. And I just remember like having a yeah. lot of fun with that movie. But that's the thing; they had a lot of fun with it. Yes, and it, there there is a world where if like mid twenty tens, he took all the films quite seriously. So I think uh-huh. because he lent into it, you can enjoy it because he's clearly enjoying it. But yeah, it's just great, isn't it? What I like <laughs> the fact that now he seems like he's on a, a kind of level plane where he can just take risks. And it's not just I'm doing hmm. this because I need the money. It's like, you know what? I'm going to take a risk on a first time director or like somebody who hasn't directed in a while or something. And it could go either way, yeah. but I'm still going to deliver. Like, I know, like, like Willy's Wonderland. There's like mixed reception to that film, but he still took a gamble and he delivered something that is like, it's, it, it's oh, going to go down. So in, much fun, yeah. It's going to go down in history as well because it's like he chose to play that role and he was very adamant. Like that, I think there was a well, yeah, there was a line written into the script. And Cage said, yeah. my one caveat is, I don't say that line. Like, I play the whole thing silent. Mm. And it's like, what a, what a bowler move. Do you know what I mean? Like, wh- whether you like, like, like or hate Oh, yeah, that yeah, film. yeah. But, like, he's now doing... So, obviously, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is coming out. Um, and then he's doing, like, back-to-back westerns. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. It's like I, I can't I can't think of many actors who do jump around that much, and it's and and I think yeah, in it, between it's... that he's got a film called The Retirement Plan that has this like really crazy like cast to it, and God knows what it's going to be. I think like Ernie Hudson's in it. I want to say like Lawrence Fishburne's in it, and like it's about like a kind of like. He, he like from the photos on set and that he just looks like a kind of like uh aging beach bum who's who's kind of pulled back into a a life of crime or kind of like I don't an ex cop who has to save someone and after like I think after pig especially like when a synopsis comes out for a film it's like I'm not gonna expect it's gonna be just a a John Wick or a like take a knockoff. It could go anywhere, and that's I, I I love I love that I love that prospect. Oh yeah, of yeah, age. yeah. It, it's I legitimately have no idea what the next project he's going to do will be, yeah. and I love that. All <laughs> I know for sure is I'm going to watch it at the soonest possible opportunity. Exactly. Um. So yeah, let's talk about oh before we get to talking about the Nicolas Cage all night marathon I want to know Ian which is your favorite Nicolas Cage film Uh, it's recency bias is real with that isn't it because pig pig is definitely up there I think in terms of 
actual quality of film he's done. So, like, my, my favourite film Nicolas Cage has starred in is probably Pig. Um, my favourite Nicolas Cage film, if we're looking at, like, the genre of Nicolas Cage, um, it is difficult. Um, a- adaptation is definitely a favourite. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I mean, two Nicolas Cages for the price of one. That's uh, always a plus. Um, it, it's uh, yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't know if it's because it's the the first one we mentioned, but I am a big fan of just how crazy Face Off is. Yeah. Um, but it's it's difficult. I think it's the my answer would be different depending when you ask me. I, I think it is that thing, and there is like such a spectrum of like which cage are you asking for, and it's that thing of like, are you asking for a film that is a like you said, a Nicolas Cage film, a film yeah. starring Nicolas Cage or a film that Nicolas Cage is in. Do you know what I mean? Like some people have answered that question. Yeah. Going, My favourite one of the films he's in is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse or something. Do you know what I mean? Because like, I love that film. Yeah. Nicolas Cage happens to be in it. <laughs> yeah. Or um, one of, I mean, one of my favourites, if we're just kind of going for less obvious um i love lord of war oh. like not a lot of people seem to talk about it like it has one of my favorite at some point we're gonna do like a top three list of like opening credit scenes mm-hmm. and lord of war is up there for me like you it follows the the path of a bullet from it being manufactured to thrown into the hands of like a child soldier kind of thing and it's so yeah. good and it, it's it, the one distraction is he's supposed to be playing a Ukrainian guy, which maybe maybe not quite so convincing. But it's such a good film, and it's very it has like an air of like RoboCop satire to it as well. Like they kind of intersperse. I think it opens with a shopping channel style thing yeah, yeah. of them selling AK forty sevens. But yeah, a lot of time for that film. Every time like, I kind of think about that film, I always think about the prospect of Nicolas Cage and Ethan Hawke like, starring in something mm. together again. And like I know yeah. like, loads of people call out for the Cage-Travolta team up again. And it's like, I would love to see a film where we get like Cage and Ethan Hawke on screen like for a decent amount of time. Because that one, they're kind of playing well, like that cat and mouse game. And like, it's... I don't know, like yeah, those two playing like in Hollywood. I reckon they could get away with playing brothers, right? Do you know what I mean like? Oh yeah, he's he's played he's played brothers with weirder people. I mean, Jared Leto is his brother in Lord of War. Exactly. Like <laughs> it's 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 more convincing. But what's good with Ethan Hawke is both Ethan Hawke and Nicolas Cage seem to have realised that they're quite good at horror. Yes. So I could see them both doing. A horror movie together and it being very very weird but very good or or even like a paul schrader film together because they both kind of like like seem to mm. be in like simpatico with paul schrader so like like how we got um yeah. willem dafoe and nicholas cage doing uh dog eat dog and it's that kind of like those yeah. two teaming up since way back when with uh wild at heart it's like if paul schrader could pull those two together for like a, a new fucking gonzo film oh, or definitely. even something like contemplative like do you know what i mean like 
like he how Paul Schrader released First Reform the other year that was like very like serious film. Mm. Those two in like a serious like a really serious film together, I think would be like Chef's Kiss. Well, I guess Ethan Hawke is quite similar to Nicolas Cage in that he does. I mean, even just looking at recent films he did, like you said, he got First Reformed, Sinister. He was in um, he he was in the First Purge. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like he's he's done like made some very interesting choices for someone who I think was always positioned as being like the next big thing. Well, I, but I think it's that thing as well that like I think the edge that um, Ethan Hawke has over Nicolas Cage is just that constant collaboration he has with Richard Linklater in the fact that like. He can kind of yeah. go off oh, and do true. popcorn yeah. fair, but then he can go back and do another like before film. Do you know what I mean? Like the the, the kind of yeah, or sh- or shoot shoot another film for like twelve years. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so he can kind yeah. of go like, oh, I'm in these like I'm in these I'm in these serious films, but then he can go off and do sinister, and people go like, but even that like like that's kind of recently had a I don't know like. Uh, recontextualizes but i think there's like a study that said it is like scientifically the most scary film and then you get all these think pieces going like <laughs> sinister is an absolute gem like we all love it we mm. all loved it at the time and uh, <laughs> but yeah I, yeah those two together i think would be perfect i've got like i'm gonna take lord of war as your favorite film i know i know it's not but i'm gonna, I'm gonna I'll, 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 I'll take it yeah <laughs> So, yeah, let's talk about the fateful evening that we met at the Prince Charles Cinema for the Nicolas Cage All-Nighter. And I want to know, how did you prepare for the night and had you ever been to one of their All-Nighters before? So I I haven't been to one of the All-Nighters before. Um, Preparation, I came straight from playing a game of rugby. Amazing. So uh, that was definitely about two, three in the morning. My back started going. (laughs) It was uh, not, I wouldn't recommend that being the prep, but it was, uh, we had a backpack full of energy drink. Um, the The Prince Charles Cinema recommends sticking with fruit and water, yep. but I had to go for the energy drink. Um, weird, obvious thing to say for prep. I didn't watch any of the films in the build-up to the marathon. But so I, I hadn't seen, I don't think I'd seen any of them for yeah for over a year um before going into it um i i think a lot of the marathons that have piqued my interest with the prince charles um it's like they do the arnie one quite regularly but there's always been a film i've seen quite recently <laughs> and you don't it, it's like i can't don't get me wrong like to, to talk about a film we mentioned before like i love commando but if i've watched it in the last two months i can't watch it at two in the morning yeah it's uh it's just not gonna work i think there is that thing of like the shared experience thing and i know that's like very like mm. that's a hot hot button topic at the moment especially with people going like a pandemic is still raging and i totally understand that and then like you get the whole thing of like directors going you must see my film in the cinema otherwise you won't yeah. enjoy it but like especially experiencing that nicholas cage all night and yeah, I hadn't, well, I hadn't seen any of the films on the big screen before. 
and I hadn't like yes uh I hadn't experienced them I don't know like it was a different experience for me experiencing them with people who are all a part of the church of cage as it were yeah same same so i i've watched i watched mandy um in the cinema so i actually watched that at the prince charles um but the others g- given how many times i have seen the rock con air and face off <laughs> i'd only ever seen it either just by myself or with a couple of friends at home like watching it in a cinema especially after 18 months without crowds really being a thing it was it made you appreciate parts of the film you may not have appreciated before so or people laughing at times where you hadn't laughed before it's like actually no you're right that is weirdly funny um the the one that sprung to mind was i forgot just how funny this the sex scene in the rock is when they're on the top of the block of flats and it's just before he gets a call telling him to come to uh, San Francisco. Uh-huh. And the cinema was just in hysterics. It's like, yeah, no, you're right, guys. This is this is hilariously weird. I had like a massive revelation on uh, The Rock in the thing of like, of those three like kind of big 90s Nicolas Cage, like, I don't know, action adjacent movies. I was like, this is my least favorite. And kind of like dismissed it, and then like mm. watching it with that crowd, I was like, and I guess like being a bit older and kind of being very much more aware of the Jerry Bruckheimer, Don Simpson like stable of films, I was like, this is so much fun. Like it is borderline a comedy, and yeah, yeah, I think it, it's. I think it's the first time we get a recurring theme that runs throughout Nicolas Cage films is him stealing a like two wheeled like mode of transport, (laughs) which has like now become, I think it's more than a coincidence. It's happened in four films. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, like, (laughs) which is making me think, like, has Cage got this written in a contract somewhere? If if possible, can I steal a motorbike or a bike? Yeah, it's like, yeah, or shout a random word. That, that that's what I need for this film. Exactly. Yeah, I yeah, need yeah, a bike, yeah. a bicycle, or a random word I can shout. It's the the rock for me. Again, quite quite similar to you. I kind of it was always like the odd one out, but I think I'm not saying it's my favourite. But I think it might be the best film out of the three. Okay. Because it it's very well done. Yeah. Um, like as a that there's not really any wasted time in it. Um, I can't think of any way you could shorten it. There's nothing you need to really um make it any longer. You've got Sean Connery seems to be in on the joke that it's mm-hmm. a bit stupid as well. Yeah. Um and Ed Ed Harris, I've always got time for Ed Harris. Yeah, and it's one of those interesting films that it's like a, it's a believable bad guy for one. It's mm. like a guy where like you kind of oh yeah, I, I get why he's pissed off, and it's like the characters get why he's pissed off, and yeah, very much Sean Connery's in on the joke, like, and it's it's been none more apparent than when he delivers the famous line "Welcome to the Rock," 
and then being in that crowd <laughs> on that fateful Saturday night of just everyone kind of like losing their shit when he says it. And like, because now it's just like a gif, but like, it's, 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 that's the thing. Like, those three films, The Rock, uh, Conair, and Face Off, are kind of just like gift to hell. And it was that thing of like people's and, reactions when they saw oh, there those, was such there was those gifts. Yeah, in real there was life, such right? a cheer after. So, well, welcome to the Rock. Um, are you a fan of Elton John? You're the Rocket Man. Um, him coming off of the plane. Uh, sorry, no, the coach in Conair. Um, so the Nicolas Cage hair gif. Um, him dressed as the priest in Face Off, which is like one of the Nicolas Cage faces alongside with Vampire's Kiss. Like if if someone's picturing yep. Nicolas Cage, it's that or the Vampire's Kiss face. But yep. it was so much fun watching it in a crowd. The The one confusing moment for me was... What I forgot was that Conair opened the opening minute of Conair is so similar to fa- uh, The Rock. I thought they'd accidentally put the same film on again. Yeah, because it's it's sunsets, planes, soldiers, Jerry Bruckheimer, uh, a song that sounds like somebody is trying to hum the Pirates of the Caribbean theme tune, <laughs> but can't remember how it goes. <laughs> and it was exactly the same. It was like this is this could be. Because obviously in in the Rock, it's kind of it's the Ed Harris bit that they they talk about how it's the the military and what he's done, and then in Con Air, it's the Nicholas Cage is like a U.S. Ranger, and it's showing the military stuff yeah. because of that. And legitimately, I thought it was the same film until um, he actually gets off the coach or goes to the bar, and it's uh, oh yay, we yeah. are on to Con Air. Yeah. So, what are your what are your opinions on Connor? Because for me, I think it's like, an un, I don't know if it's unintentional, but like it's a for me, it's a comedy. It feels like it's really playing for co- comedic value. Yeah. So Connor is it's an interesting one because I I struggle to look past the premise a little bit because there is no way Nicolas Cage would have gone to prison. <laughs> like. It, it, it's not. It was someone pulled a knife on him and he hit him. Like, that's self-defense. You're done. Please go enjoy the rest of your life mm-hmm. with your pregnant wife. But it is it is a comedy. Um, I think for the most part it realizes it. But it's so much fun. And it's. Uh, I, I think John Cusack is an underrated piece of that film as well. Um Obviously, we would have watched it anyway, but I think his kind of manic... um, I'm not even sure what his job was, and I'm still confused (laughs) why it was his jurisdiction. But he was very funny in it. He's great, yeah. I I, I loved it. And and again, hadn't ever watched it in the cinema before. Yeah, it's... That was one I loved. I, I I loved Connor, and like the fact that like... Yeah, like so you've got like Steve Buscemi, who's like at that point would have been known for like comedy mm. from like Airheads and stuff like that. You've got Dave Chappelle, who is obviously a comedian. You've got all these people kind of like dialing it up to eleven and kind of like just having. Well, I I I, I always forget how stacked the cast is. Yeah, um, it's because Danny Trejo, um, Ving Rhames, 
John Malkovich. It's they just kind of keep coming. Yeah, even down to people like Michael T. Williams, who is like most famous for playing Bubba Gump in uh, in Forrest Gump, plays like yeah. the diabetic who's like best friends with like uh, Cameron Poe, and it's like. It's just like floor to ceiling. Just like when you look at that poster, it's like, fuck, this has got so like so many like just absolute like I don't know like legends of cinema, especially like, like amazing character actors and stuff like that. And it it just feels like it was so much fun to film. And the fact that that film as well it overlapped with the filming of Face Off and that kind of one-two punch yeah. in Cage's career is just absolutely fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. It's, I, I, I can't think of many people who had that run of films. Like, even without... it's mm-hmm. <laughs> Even ignoring the fact he did Leaving Las Vegas, then The Rock. It, it yeah. was The Rock, Conair, Face Off. Like, it is... Three of the best like action films in general. Yeah, um, I also like that uh, in Conair, uh, which again just as underrated as John Cusack in it is Nicolas Cage's abs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's set- like he's 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 weirdly shredded. My theory is that um, it was a mixture of Leaving Las Vegas and The Kiss of Death that got him those action roles because yeah. like The Kiss of Death everyone could see, oh, he can bulk up and he can be kind of tough. So they were like, he's he's got some potential as an action star. And then obviously leaving Las Vegas, like, this boy can fucking act. Like, not, like people who were like keeping tabs on him before then already knew that. But like on the world stage winning that Oscar, they were like, oh no, this <laughs> guy has got the chops to like, really hold a picture and like yeah. like he proved it and it's it goes beyond that kind of trilogy like up and like i think it's up until like i don't know you could argue like the mid 2000s he's got like this really interesting kind of run of films and has worked with yeah i always say it, he's worked with arguably some of the best directors the world has ever seen whether it's brian de palma oh, yeah Ridley Scott, Martin Scorsese with Bringing Out the Dead, like, um, yeah, so, like, so John Woo, like, well, again, like, yeah, uh, Coen Brothers, yeah, it's, um, Francis Ford uh, Coppola, I mean, I'll throw that one in there, yeah, yeah, not, 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 not a director, but, uh, Charlie Kaufman, uh, yeah, Yeah. I mean, worked with and played him. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, about that night, like, what were some of the standout moments for you? Were there kind of, like, moments where you're like, I'm just so glad I'm here, like, I'm loving this whole experience? So, I mean, for me, it's the very beginning. It is, so we were we were settled down. Um, There's actually, a, so we went with, a, or a friend of mine had already got tickets there, and we'd... Uh, sat with them it was like oh so i've got a friend i haven't seen in a while we're going to be watching films until nine in the morning and then as soon as nicholas cage's name came up in the opening credits for the rock everyone cheered and applauded mm-hmm. and it was just like yeah this was a this was the right choice this is it was 
like you said, I've, I've never had that experience watching a film before. And it just perfectly kind of set the stall out that this is what it's going to be. And then, like you said, just the sheer audience reaction to mm-hmm. the films was like, yeah, it's not like not not that you feel weird for enjoying those films anyway. But rarely are you in a whole crowd of, you know, a hundred odd people all enjoying the same thing yeah. unironically. Yeah, that is the thing. I, I think there were like uh, there was maybe like a couple of outliers there who were there for mm. the like the ironic factor of it. Do you know what I mean? Just to kind of like put a notch yeah. on their kind of bedpost and be like, oh, isn't it funny? I went to a Nicolas Cage all nighter and it's like, nah, like there is a decent batch of films that we saw. And like, if anything, it's it's a, a real statement to prove that Nick Cage is one of the greatest actors of all time. Like, um, so in regards to obviously, Oh, definitely the exciting, the fun moments, were there, were there any bugbears you had with the evening? Were there any, um, so, well, yeah, the crowd. Was there anyone in the crowd who, who got your goat, or was there was there anything about it that kind of irked you in any way? Uh, so, the, I mean, the, the, there's always going to be, like you said, someone in the crowd. So I know there was a bit of... Um, I'm, I'm fine with audience participation in a marathon <laughs> like that, but don't talk through the whole thing. Yeah. Like, you know, if... There's clearly parts where people, like you said, cheering, not 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 heckling or anything, but don't just sit and have a conversation. Yeah. Like if you're if you're, it's twelve hours of films, so like it's fine to leave occasionally, hang out in the foyer, come back a bit refreshed. But it's there. So I didn't have the, I couldn't hear the talking, but I could hear the people shushing it. So. <laughs> I think actually, I think they might have been sat near you and Daryl, but I, I could hear someone shushing, and it's like, yeah, that's not, that's not on, guys. We're we're all we're all here for the same reason. Let's just watch this film. Um, another another weird part was I definitely, I'm assuming it was because of tiredness, but it could have been because it was uh, the last film was Mandy at seven in the morning. Um, definitely hallucinated a little bit. <laughs> um, because uh, the, the, there's obviously lighting down the side in like the aisles next to the seats. And the way they were flickering, and because I was tired, it constantly felt like someone was about to walk down the aisle. <laughs> so like my per- my peripheral vision kind of went a bit weird. Uh, I think talking to Graham, I think he had similar. It was yeah. like, oh, if, well, if you had similar, it's not just me being a freak. It's clearly something that happened. But that was that was that was the first, that was the only moment where I thought maybe I'm not going to stay awake until this ends. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing I want to ask, obviously what were your, like what in your heart of hearts did you want the mystery film to be? And like, what were your kind of, did you have any guesses as to what that film would be? Or were you happy to leave it to chance and trust the Prince Charles? Uh, so, I mean, I, Always, I'll, I will always trust the Prince Charles Cinema. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's get that out there. Um, I had a couple of guesses and I have a couple of... There's a couple of films that I think might have worked a bit better. Uh-huh. So for me, my kind of guesses were... because uh, So the friends we were uh, with clocked on that it was chronological. Ah, uh, yep, 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 yep. 
and they were like, okay, so that narrows it down to this period. Um, I think you mentioned, um, I'm assuming it was mentioned before as well, um, that British Star Cinema had said it hadn't been a film they'd shown before, which kind of narrowed it down okay. a bit. Um, I didn't have the the extensive list. I was feeling like if you're going to follow, because it, I, I think the problem you have with a marathon like that is the rock con air and face off are very clearly they're like a they're basically a trilogy yeah. right like that they share so much dna that anything you show afterwards is going to feel a little bit on the like you've you've had the trilogy and then you've got the others yeah um so i was thinking maybe something like i didn't think they would go serious so i you know that takes your eight millimeter possibly even like snake eyes wind talkers you know that's that's all off the table so i went straight in with um gone with 60 seconds um i thought we might get something like that um possibly kind of ghost rider um you know a bit more over the top um and then we didn't we had we had drive angry which is a film um <laughs> for, for, for for me, I, I, I think the the difficulty in planning anything like that is Mandy is so weird, mm-hmm. and it's such like a unique film. It's you would want so I think something like which you've you mentioned before. Like I think Willy's Wonderland would have been a really good bridge between yeah. action Nicolas Cage and really weird. Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the choice between you, you need like a bridge film between the two, or maybe you save Mandy for again have have an all nighter, which would be a, a tough one to get through, but I would still go like you know Mandy, Color Out of Space, Willy's Wonderland. Just lean in and all of the uh, really over the top uh, adaptation Weird. would probably yeah. fit in there as well. Um, <laughs> even possibly raise it, yeah. Even possibly raising Arizona, you know that's a that's a weird old film. The more you think about it, but yeah, we but we had Drive Angry, which I'm I as a I mean I as I said I watched Jujitsu on my birthday. I'm a fan of weird, <laughs> good bad movies. So you know it was a it was it was a, a bit of a palate cleanser. It was fun to not have to fully pay attention, yeah. so to speak. But it was fun. It was it's such a stupid film. I, I would have loved if the Prince Charles at that moment just like I don't know, an usher came out and presented everyone with 3D glasses and said like, you know I mean? like <laughs> oh, we get to experience it in 3D as well. That I think that would have well, been hey. awake, like and on that point, did you have any plans like throughout the night, like going in where you're like, I'm going to stay awake the whole night or like if this happens or this is a film I might have a nap through or yeah. What was your, what was your plan in that regard? So, so, so the plan was to, you know, I was going to, I was going to be water and I was going to see what happened. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to fall asleep during the first three because it's the rock con air and face off. Yep. I'm, I'm there for that. Um, the mystery film would depend what the mystery film was. Um, but I also knew, so my, my plan was I, I was going to stay awake for the whole thing yeah. and I, I managed to. Um, but I also knew my risk area was the virtually um, 
dialogueless first 45 minutes of Mandy. <laughs> because the first the first half of Mandy is beautiful, but nobody says anything. And it's seven in the morning. You're uh, there was a bit of uh, there was a bit of nodding off, but I managed to uh, you know where you you wake yourself up when your head hits your your chest kind yeah. of thing. So nearly nearly succumbed there, but I did. Uh, it's also the kind of film like for all I knew, I fell asleep for five minutes and didn't realize. It's so so weird. Uh, but so I'm saying that like it's a bad thing. I have so much time for that film. I, I, I think it's incredible, but it was seven in the morning. Yeah, I, 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 I've said it on this episode already, but like, it's almost like that film, like them, them programming it at seven a.m. It's like they're willing you to be like, I dare you to stay awake oh, yeah. during this first forty-five minutes because it is, like you said, and and the fact that it's like this hazy psychedelic movie, it's just got this air of like. If you're in that mood, you can just like sink into it and drift away into sleep, and like well, you would be none the wiser. Well, right? That's the thing that, yeah. The, the, the problem is, I I generally sleep to music, mm-hmm. so there were there's there's like a ten fifteen minute sequence where it's just music, yeah. And I think my body just kind of started going, oh, it's it's bed it's bedtime now. We, we're just gonna, I'm just gonna start shutting things off, yeah. and. Um, there was definitely a part during Mandy where um, everyone's had it, where I'm watching it, I'm enjoying it, and then I realise, oh, wait, no, my eyes are closed. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> I'm not actually watching it. I'm just kind of remembering what I've seen. But it was definitely, like, fr- from what you said about it, it was definitely a, uh, a point prover at the end. I-, I-, I think a lot of people had made the conscious decision that they were there for the unofficial trilogy. So I I think we we there was definitely like a there was a shedding point after face off finished. So I think we lost a couple of people there. Um there was definitely another shedding point from people who hadn't seen Drive Angry realizing what kind of film it was. <laughs> um if 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 we if I hadn't talked about it yet, uh Nicolas Cage is chased by Satan's accountant. Yeah. And yeah, it it's it's got some very icky stuff involving Amber Heard as well. Like, yeah, like that's just like in kind of 2021 eyes is a bit like, Ugh, like this. Film. There was a lot of Johnny. Yeah. There was a lot of Johnny Depp jokes uh, 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 going around the cinema. I think. Yeah. There's kind but, of a lot of like, like, I don't know. And, and, and for a film called drive angry, Cage doesn't seem that angry. Yeah, it's like the driving, I get. But it was also the first film of the night. Um, well, technically the only film of the night um, that didn't say the name of the film in the film. Um, yes. So it was dr- Drive Angry was the registration plate on the car, but they never actually said it. And there was always a big cheer whenever. Um, so obviously, Welcome to the Rock. Yep. Um, they mentioned Conair. I think John Malkovich says Conair um, in Conair. Um, face off is a very high Nicolas Cage saying he wants to take his face off. And then Mandy's a character name in Mandy. So that's kind of cheating. But yeah, that was the, it was a weird thing to notice because I think we were, we were always just on the edge of the, we're big fans of the, uh, they said the name of the thing and the thing, yeah. whenever it's mentioned. That, 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 
that you've you you've called them out. You've thrown the gauntlet at the Prince Charles. Mm. They should have really programmed it that all five films have the name of the film. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 spoken <laughs> by a character in the. That's film. what we were there beautiful. for. <laughs> um, but yeah, Drive Angry. I mean, like, it, it, there was a shedding point during that, um, and then not so much with Mandy, just because I think people fell asleep. Like, if, if people were going to fall asleep that had stayed, it is the first half of Mandy. No one was sleeping through the last half <laughs> because that's, uh, you know, chainsaw duels. <laughs> uh, LSD fueled Hell's Angels. It's uh, yeah. it's it's an experience. As soon as Nicolas Cage screams in the toilet, yeah, I think that's when people were like, ah, we're we're on now. This is the fourth or fifth wind hitting me. But it was oh god, yeah. I was. Uh, so, what were your feelings going into Mandy? Because obviously, like, I'm not sure if you like. I, I was stepping outside between each film. And going out into daylight before that film, and then realizing, like, oh, it's <laughs> it's a new day. Yeah. It's, it's a new day. Like it's light, and yeah. So I I went kind of the like I, I went the Vegas casino route. So <laughs> I didn't go. I didn't see natural light. Yeah. So I, I I would leave the cinema, but I would stay in like the downstairs yep. uh, foyer. Um, because like you said, I think as soon as my body clock realized it was bright outside, I would, that's where I would psychologically Crumble, fall apart. Yeah. yeah. But I was, like I said, I played a pretty heavy game of rugby that day. So <laughs> I would go out into the foyer and I would just be like, no one wants to be the guy stretching. So I was just kind of subtly stretching next to a pillar, just trying to, uh, stop my calves and, uh, quads from seizing up. But yeah, I, I that that that's that's actually a recommendation I would give to people is unless you're a smoker, because don't smoke indoors. Um, stay downstairs if you can. Like I don't don't stay in your seat the whole time because that's asking for problems. But if you're going to walk around, walk down the aisles or outstairs in the uh, outside in the downstairs foyer bit, because like you said, go, going going into Mandy knowing it was seven in the morning. Um, I was, like I said, I'd watched it before. I'd loved it. I'd known what to expect. Um, and I was very aware that if I was going to fall asleep, it would be that first hour. Well, I felt like, like, cause I'd gone outside when I like sat down for Mandy, I just felt dirty. I felt really grubby in the fact that it's like, I, know, it's, I felt like I was up all night doing Coke or something. Do you know what I mean? It's that like realization. That, like, yeah. I've wasted a night and like, <laughs> looking round at all the people who were there like when the when the marathon finished i was like i just want to get out of this situation i just want to go home to my bed have a cup of tea and a shower <laughs> and never speak to any of you ever again and then obviously like a few days passed and cooler heads prevailed and i was like you just watched five films over a night you haven't had a night like doing a load of drugs you're all right mate well it was it, it, it was great so we, we we finished this rugby match we um, had a couple of post-game beers and I was kind of sitting with the team um, and uh, Graham was picking me up from the clubhouse to then kind of go to the cinema. And he messaged me saying he was outside. So I kind of like told the guys, it's like, right, I'm I'm going. I'm actually going to the cinema. And they're like, oh, what are you going to see? And it's like, oh, I'm just going to see five Nicolas Cage films. And every <laughs> It was like a record scratch. It was like, 
sorry, did you just say five Nicolas Cage films? It's like, yeah. And it's like, when, when does that finish? It's like nine in the morning. And then there was silence. And I think one of the players just went, they're playing face-off though, right? It's like, yes, they are. And then I think I just left them in the midst of a Nicolas Cage conversation. It was like, yeah, I like you guys. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, I, I think I've got to ask you about this because what was Graham's reaction to seeing Mandy for the first time from your perspective? Because obviously it was his first time oh. watching Mandy at that all-nighter. Yeah, so I, I think he kind of knew it was going to be a weird one. Like I, I think on so uh, uh, on our podcast, I talked about Mandy. It's, it's, it has popped up before on just how kind of batshit mental it is. And watching Graham watch it was, if anything, more. It was what was keeping me awake <laughs> because he would be he would be watching it, but like so low down in his seat. And I think he had like his hoodie on, kind of scrunched up. And I kept thinking he'd fallen asleep. And then you'd just look at him and his eyes would just be wide open, staring at the screen. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was like, yeah, man, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? And then occasionally just turn to look at me, just like, this is as weird as I think it is, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it's an odd one. And then also knowing after conversations a couple of days later, he was also vaguely hallucinating people walking up and down the aisles. <laughs> <laughs> so it's... I would definitely, I don't know if I could recommend watching Mandy for the first time at 7am, but I definitely recommend a, a sleep-deprived viewing of it at some point. Yeah, so I, I, I'm fortunate enough to know one of the producers of Mandy, Daniel Noah. Oh, wow. And I can't wait to, like, share this episode with him and kind of, like, tell him the kind of, like, uh, hallucinatory nature of the film, because I know... For one, he will absolutely adore that aspect of it and just be able to, like, really... Well, the, that so is the, what the film's about. <laughs> oh, yeah. So so the moment my brain imploded was... Um, it's when Mandy's drugged and she's in front of, uh, like, the cult leader guy. Linus Roach, yeah. Who, yeah, who... Uh, who's, uh, whose dad... Plays Ken Barlow. Barlow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Which was a fun, fun discovery, like trivia discovery afterwards. Um, and there's a scene where he's talking um, to the camera and her face is over, like gradually becomes more and more overlaid mm -hmm. over his face. And it's an incredible scene. It's incredibly directed. And my brain could not handle it yeah. at eight in the morning. It was just like, this is, I don't know if I'm, because I was so tired, it was like, am, is that happening? Or have I, yeah. am I asleep? Or, am I watching it? What oh. is actually going on? And um, yeah, I, I think, like I said, I think a couple of people had fallen asleep just because of the the nature of the first half of Mandy. Like I said, it's very like dialogue light. It's, it's very effective. Um, and then everyone else, I'm fairly sure, was just tripping balls. Just a mix of just the film. And uh, I was very close to saying tripping balls because of Mandy, but that's a that's a different sentence. <laughs> um, <laughs> tripping balls because of the film and the fact they'd been already awake for 10, 11 hours. Yeah. But God, yeah, it was a hell of an experience. 
I know somebody who works at the Prince Charles, uh, who, like uh, Phil, the general manager, and uh, he spoke to a mutual friend of ours, uh, Jonathan, and said that like, he's like, Petros was just like in a weird haze, like when I saw him, and like I think like that was how <laughs> I felt throughout Mandy. I was just like in this weird haze, and I had like a similar experience to you with that very scene of the kind of like faces mm. melding together and how yeah. like, I was just like I don't know like I, like almost looking for the seams in it and like I was like this is not the mm. time to be looking at how this was technically done and just like I yeah I said I think I said it to Graham like that experience of watching that film at that time it felt like my brain was leaking out of my ears by the end of it. I was just like... that. Yeah, that, that sums it up perfectly. <laughs> um, so you've already given us a a tip of how to survive one of these all-night marathons. Um, is there any other tips you would give to anyone who was thinking about, whether it's the Nicolas Cage marathon or whatever, like what would you be your tips for surviving the night? Um, I mean, like it, it's for me. Kind of the biggest things are, again, if if you're not a smoker, avoid natural light. Really helps. Um, I am an energy drink drinker, so that definitely helped kind of me through it. Um, but it definitely you have to tr go in hoping you don't have to. Yes. And then if you feel like you're, so I, I managed to stay away from it until after the third film and then it was like right if i'm gonna stay awake i actually i need this now so leave it until as late as you can if you're gonna have to have the caffeine um and i think just kind of go in with the knowledge that you might fall asleep and if you do it's fine yeah like you said like it, it's the films are always going to be there it is the most fun part of the experience was just experience it with everyone there like it was exactly. such a fun way to watch it um, and I mean, uh, I think Graham fell asleep at one point. Um, the other person we're with fell asleep, people around us did, but they still all loved the night when they left. Exactly. Like yeah, it's yeah. not, it's, it's not going to ruin the night because you fell asleep. Like it's a natural thing. So don't beat yourself up about it if you do. Um, and if you can try and get some annual leave in because you're not gonna, the Sunday isn't enough to recover from that. If you're early thirties. <laughs> it's uh like like i think I, I messaged you today i i think i've recovered from it now yeah it's uh it's it was a weird one i felt like i don't know about you but i felt like it felt like the so the day after you've had a long haul flight mm -hmm. so i was basically jet lagged it was such a weird feeling all day but uh yeah. Oh, and, and uh, other advice just for future recovery from a marathon, um, like jet lag, sleep for, say, three hours and then push through till your normal, <laughs> the normal time you would go to sleep. Like, <laughs> I just pushed through the whole day and went to bed at 9, 9 mm. p.m. that night. So like, I, yeah. was, I was awake from 7.30 on Saturday till 9 p.m. on Sunday. And felt myself getting ill throughout Sunday, like daytime. Mm. And then by the time I went to bed, I was like, oh, I've got a cold. 
and then have just kind of felt the repercussions the whole week. <laughs> so, like, I don't know if that was, like, bound to happen anyway or, like, it was the fact of, like, I was getting a cold and then it's like, oh, you're going to put yourself through over 35 hours of no sleep and then, like, really <laughs> deplete your immune system that really just gave a kicking to, like, bring it on a lot quicker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... uh yeah, I, I think you just need to embrace the fact you're going to feel like shit. Yeah. Um, what what helped us with the marathon as well is uh, also bring like water or fruit juice mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, if all you're drinking is caffeine, you're going to have a bad time. But, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I felt awful the, the the day afterwards. Completely worth it. Don't get me wrong. I am. I am. There are no regrets for going, but. God, I felt awful on Sunday. <laughs> Amazing. Well, um, obviously, yeah, you host the podcast Nobody Asked For, along with Graham. Um, where can people find that podcast and keep up to date with everything that you guys are doing? Uh, so you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, and we also now have Patreon. Um, and you can find all of our links, all of our episodes on the podcast nobody asked for.co.uk so go over there check out our latest episode was very meta so it was our first actually today when we're recording is our first birthday as a podcast um along with a lot of indie movie podcasts because i think we all started at the same time um uh, so our latest episode was uh films we haven't talked about yet so films we haven't been able to crowbar into episodes um, and the episode before that was movies we would have set in space <laughs> so uh it's uh it's a lot of fun um like i said yeah everything is at the podcast nobody asks for.co.uk and where can people find you on socials as well if they if they see uh, so socials instagram is just the podcast nobody asked for uh twitter is nobody asked for pod with the number four um and that's kind of where we're we're most active um, and I'm sure, sh- I'm sure Graham mentioned it before, but indie movie podcast is a lovely place to be. So, uh, yeah, come and yeah. argue with us on those. Cause in the end, that's, uh, that's all the podcast ever was. It's just the, the arguments we would have in a pub about film. So we love it when people message us with episode ideas or what they thought about episodes. It's, uh, it's been a, it's been a great year. Yeah, that's exactly what I love about it. That's, I think, what podcasting should be, right, is, like, the kind of conversations yeah. you would have with people you know or people you don't know about films you love or don't like or whatever and just kind of have fun and then people are going to enjoy it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd listen I, I'd listen to it, and arguably that's its biggest, biggest seal of approval. Perfect. Well, <laughs> thank you so much, Ian, for coming and, uh, yeah, chatting to me about this. This experience that I think uh, I've said to everyone who's guested on this special episode that uh, we're all now linked like by our <laughs> souls in this kind of experience that we've shared together. We're like, I don't know, in years to come, we'll be like old NAM buddies going, like speaking about that fateful, that fateful battle we had at the Prince Charles on that fateful night. Yeah, just, just sharing our... Uh... <laughs> sleep deluded nicholas cage tattoos we all decided to get it'll be uh it'll be great perfect thanks again man for coming on joining me Uh, thanks for having me thanks for having me
Well, there you go, guys. Thank you so much for joining me for this very special somewhat recap live report of a fantastic event. And obviously, if you are in the London area, please do check out the Prince Charles Cinema. They have another Nick Cage all-nighter coming up as well in November. I'll be sure to put the link in the show notes to grab tickets for that but always check out what they got going on they've always got some great stuff whether it's nick cage or otherwise and as always if you've enjoyed the podcast please don't hesitate to leave a rating and review five stars please on apple podcast acast or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now you can also buy me a cup of coffee on the coffee website that's ko-fi.com or Patreon, where you can sign up and give me money each month. And yeah, I've got some cool things coming on Patreon, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, so as always, guys, I've been Petros Patsilibus. I've been caged in. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You've been amazing. Catch you next time. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.